For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Hi, yeah. Well, it's on the front of the mail today. A couple of examples of newspaper headlines of today and yesteryear. The first one is today's headline in the mail saying higher prices are here to stay. And it's Leo Varadkar who's on Lee's side today, actually. It's Leo Varadkar saying that the Taoiseach saying that this is a stark warning on cost of living crisis because um, what goes up rarely comes down. And of course, again, the, the reason, well, there are many reasons, of course. They're talking about, you know, issues regarding banking and inflation. And, but as usual, the Ukrainian war is thrown into the mix for the increases in prices um, and inflation standing at uh, way too high uh, for like a year and a half now. So I, I, I get all of that. But um, it looks as if the prices that have gone up will not come down. And the mail this morning is saying that food prices are now 15% higher than this time last year. And even Leo Varadkar has warned now that those increases, so this cost of living crisis is likely to be permanent. I can't help but think that how much of this is actually all, you know, centred on one word, and th- and that's greed. I'm not saying all of the time, because I understand that there has to be price increases regarding inflation and things like that. But I wonder how many opportunists out there took advantage um, and just decided to uh, to go for it at the same time, using the financial climate at the time. So that's stark news because, uh, you know, what goes up doesn't come down. It's an interesting one that Kevin showed me this morning. Uh, the front of the Daily Express in 2016 versus the front of the Daily Express now in 2023. And I wonder if many people in the UK who voted for Brexit did so because of what they told were told what would happen for the better with regards to cost of living, with regards to the NHS and stuff like that. Not going to drill on it too much, but I think they were really sold to pig in a poke Uh, with regards to Brexit. The Daily Express headline 2016 said, Cheaper food after EU exit. Seven years later in 2023, the headline in the same newspaper is, Staggering 16.7% rise in food prices. You get what you pay for. Be careful what you vote for, I suppose. Um, There is a very uh, serious uh, court case um, before the Cork Courts uh, this week. It's the Cork Circuit Criminal Court. It's the front page of this morning's Echo, where you have a boy guilty of violent sexual assault when 13 years old. So it's a 13-year-old boy who carried out a violent attack on a young woman in Cork City. He's been found guilty by jury uh, of assaulting her sexually as well. Now, it's a lengthy article that makes the front and inside pages of this morning's Echo. The Irish Times carries it as well. Uh, The victim was so badly beaten that on the night of the attack, she was at first unable to unlock her phone to ring her parents because she had facial recognition on her phone and the phone did not recognise her face because of the damage done to it. He repeatedly kicked her face, dragged her along the ground by her hair. Uh, She lay down on the footpath and she thought she was going to die. Now, a woman driving by saw the young woman's dress above her waist. I won't go into the detail, actually, because it's actually quite graphic. Uh, But uh, she stopped. Now, the teenager pleaded guilty to assault causing harm, but denied sexual assault. Um, The Cork Circuit Criminal Court had a jury unanimously finding him guilty of sexual assault. And if you don't mind me staying with it, because it's, it's even more alarming by virtue of his age at the time, 13 years old. It was a victim impact statement prepared by the woman uh, who's in her early 20s. She was a college student uh, at the time and she was walking home a route which she was very familiar with, incidentally, at around 11pm following a night out with some of her friends. Uh, and suddenly she's knocked to the ground. Uh, the next thing she says, I remember, is being kicked in the face. 
My face was on the road. I had earrings on. I could feel the earrings sticking into me. I kind of shut down. But my last thought, I remember thinking, I'm going to die. So you remember I mentioned a witness was driving by on Evergreen Street to go up uh, onto Douglas Street. And she saw her, the injured party's dress, raised um, and underwear down. Oh, it's awful. Uh, and she says, I asked the fella what was happening. And he said, it's okay, I have her. I asked her, uh, did she know him? And she said no, and then said, please help me. She was sobbing uncontrollably, and uh, she said he had followed her. Now, the gentleman, referred to as the gentleman, uh, said, uh, said that three fellas had kicked the SHIT out of her, and that he had just come upon her. He then dropped her down on her bum, um, and he said he was going to go after the three fellas who kicked the SHIT out of her, and he ran off. Um, there's a lot more to this case, of course, which I can't go into at this point in time, but that will be back for sentencing in the coming weeks, and I'll return to that story then when we have sentencing. But it, it's it's so traumatic and it's so upsetting and it's so awful for the young woman and made worse, really. Isn't it made worse, really, uh, if you could make it even worse by the fact that her attacker was 13 years old? Then there's a story from the courts, Liam Healan covers it, of cowardly attacks on off-duty members of the Gardaí, uh, junior doctors, and late-night workers. So these are different assaults um, that they reported in the papers today, significantly outnumbering, uh, you know, the people who are attacking who, you know, those that were doing the attacking, seriously outnumbered those who were being attacked. Now, one of the attackers has been jailed for two years and two months for his part in the violence. So you can follow the court reports this morning, either online or in the papers yourself. But it's an interesting one involving a Paul McDonough from Off Cathedral Road pleaded guilty to his part in the incidents. He also admitted violent disorder, assault-causing robbery and uh, assault-causing harm, I should say, robbery and attempted robbery. But the judge was very concerned that he was uh, penalised only months beforehand for similar offences in the district court. And he needs to give up drink because it's the drink is making him violent. Now, the different incidents then, well, one involved two off-duty Gardaí who were set upon by 11 youths, violently set upon, two off-duty Gardaí, even when they attempted to show their Garda ID, um, it didn't make any difference. Their phones were also taken, apparently. Um, there was another one, uh, I don't know, staff from an off-license who were walking home uh, on Augustan Street, two o'clock in the morning, coming home from work. Um, part of a group of seven attacked the four of them. And then there was a third one in the courts. Um, all of these related, of course, the third incident, junior doctor, attacked by teenagers as he walked home after work during the jazz weekend. It's like, what is happening to our city? Um, like, it just usn't be this way so bad. And up, if you want an example, up the country then, you've got elderly people living in, um, uh, they're living in a senior citizens complex and they're living in fear of their lives. Three of their neighbours were killed in their homes. This is a Dublin story, I know, but it just goes to show how bad it is all over the country. And this is in a senior citizens retirement home village. Uh, three of them killed. People afraid to open their door. The door has been banged on. They open it and there's people looking for money, um, you know, demanded to come in, robbing them. Um, there's also the court report, the latest update with regards to the man who's been sent forward for trial charged with dangerous driving, causing the death of the GAA broadcaster, Paddy Palmer. Now, um, the he, the charge was, was changed there recently, obviously because Paddy died. So it's dangerous driving, causing death. And Paddy Palmer, the highly regarded Gaelic Games broadcaster and the communist, passed away on January 8th. Uh, and before the courts is Bodam Berviski uh, from Ballinhasig. So that, that case will continue to 
uh, roll through the courts and we'll have to keep a close eye on that one. And there's another one then that was dropped and that's the manslaughter charge against Alec Baldwin. That was dropped. Um, his lawyers announced it last night. That's the headline in this morning's Sun. Baldwin cleared movie gun kill rap dropped two weeks before the trial. In other news, a lot of it is health related. I'll just kind of... Uh, uh, flick through these ones. There, there is. Um, you know, we're talking about the citizens' assembly contemplating various things. There's also another review of the state's abortion laws uh, going through at the moment, and they apparently uh, it's it's fairly radical. Actually, they're coming up with ten recommendations and sixty operational issues regarding the oper- the abortion laws as they stand. By all accounts, there there has to be at the moment a three day waiting period uh, before abortion. Uh, termination can begin and there has to be two doctors consultations with three days between them so they want to get rid of one of those apparently it's been recommended now uh, that the full removal of the three-day wait to access abortion and instead suggest that parents be given the right to decide whether they want it or not and just go on and have it the other option which is being thought about now is that it would allow someone seeking an abortion to have a second consultation if it were needed over the phone rather than having to meet with the GP for the second time. There's another GP-related story in The Independent today, and it has to do with sick certs, or sick notes, if you like. Irish GPs were paid €44 million for issuing sick certs last year. Um, And the top earners are, um, you know, the top GPs are outlined in The Independent today. That makes for interesting reading in itself. But more to the point, the amount paid to doctors has more than doubled in the last five years. You've got to ask yourself why. COVID, I suppose, could be used as one of the reasons. Um, But it seems that a practice in Apple's European headquarters receives the highest payment for sick certs, which would indicate that people get sick in Apple a lot more than anywhere else, is it? Um, If the amount paid to the Apple practice is receiving the highest payment. It could also be said that they just have a huge amount of staff, I suppose. And the happy pair in hot water again. Now, they were in trouble last year for a video stating that eating uh, mushrooms reduces risk of getting breast cancer. You might remember that. Another way was to eat soy products, they said, two or three times a day, this kind of thing. And they said they'd get back in lane, um, which is another kind of cork way of saying they cop themselves on. But happy pair are back in the news again, apologizing again. Apparently, they had an American doctor on their podcast who said there was a link between antibiotics and depression and this this uh, doctor said that if he were to take one course of antibiotics his risk of major depression would go up by 24% in the next 12 months he said if he took two courses of antibiotics in a year his chances of getting major depression went up by up to 52% so uh, you can't be making statements like that without backing them up so they've had to apologise for that and extraordinarily the UK Times is saying that a sleeping pill a night could ward off Alzheimer's. That should come with a caveat because um, you know the overuse of sleeping pills in itself can have awful consequences, including addiction. So, sleeping pill a night may ward off Alzheimer's. Uh, you know that's that's the kind of story that you shouldn't just take lightly and say, "Oh, I'm I'm up for that." Um, long long COVID, or as I say. Long COVID, baby. Long COVID patients are traveling overseas now to get expensive and unproven treatments. And if you look at the figures, they're estimating in the Independent today that 100,000 people in Ireland have long COVID with continuing symptoms weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks after. Eh, weeks? Give me a break. I've been talking to people on this program who, long, who have long COVID for like two years. One particular woman is absolutely decimated by it. Can't get out of the bed two, maybe two and a half years later. And the papers this morning also, I should have probably mentioned this when I was talking about uh, issuing uh, certificates to staff members. 
there is a council up the country that is paying out overtime and apparently they're unverified hours. you got to wonder whether this happens in other local authorities. But apparently they're saying that when they did an audit into it, they found that 20% of the staff overtime above in uh, one of the county councils in Dublin uh, didn't indicate the start time or the end time of the hours worked. And they couldn't even verify that the overtime was done in the first place. But you had employees up there earning up to 33 grand a year more for unverified overtime hours. What were they doing? As an interesting money story making the sun today, and it's to do with the billionaire Elon Musk. I suppose it's not going to really affect his pocket being a billionaire, that he blew up a 2.7 billion euro rocket and they celebrated. But that's what happened with SpaceX. It pretty much cleared the tower, went up for about five or ten seconds and then boom! rocket exploded. But that's deemed to be a 2.7 billion euro success. And there's lots of AI stories making the papers today, uh, which I will not drill onto too long because people think I'm absolutely infatuated with artificial intelligence. But it just gains momentum at a ridiculously fast speed. There is a magazine now that also has an online forum that apparently has run a, a promo saying that they have the first interview with Michael Schumacher. The only problem with it is it's not real. It was produced by AI. Now, Schumacher, of course, has been living as a recluse on the banks of Lake Geneva after suffering a brain damage injury in a skiing accident. He can't and isn't given interviews. So they instead did one on AI. And there's an Oasis album has been made by AI as well. It was claimed to be lost tapes from the mid-90s, but it wasn't actually. It was a cover band um, of Oasis called Breezer, uh, who trained up on AI and mimicked the voices of the Gallaghers and made the articles themselves. There's another lovely story. The best story of the day, though, for me, and Claire agrees, we were chatting about this this morning, is Noel Gallagher. Um, He has revealed that he quit learning to drive after just one disastrous lesson back in the 1990s. This is just a humdinger of a story. So here it is. He went for the first lesson, right? This is in the height of their fame now. Bear in mind now that he's only driven by chauffeurs now and he's got a fleet of really expensive luxury cars himself. But he says, I can't do either the Scouser or the Manchurian accent properly. Can you do it? Great. The, Man- the Mancunian. Great. Mancunian. Yeah. Great. I, can, I can do a Scouser accent, all right, but I wouldn't be great at the old Mancunian. Right. So say this, the woman who gave me the lesson... The, the woman who gave me the lesson... I was driving around a housing estate... I was driving around the housing estate. And she said to me, pull in here. I pulled over and she got out of the car. <laughs> she told me pull in there. And I pulled in over there and she got out of the car. I'll be back in a minute, she said. I'll be back in a minute. And she came out with her ma'am. And she came out with her ma'am. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. she came out with her ma'am. Well I said, what's done. the ma'am doing there? <laughs> she, came, she brought the ma'am out for a selfie. She took the ma'am out for a selfie. It got worse. I'm getting very Stephen Gerrard now. This is not That's all right. I'm Gallagher. loving it. I'm loving it. So anyway, she gets she comes out with her ma'am, gets the selfie done. Things got worse, apparently. When? They, it was in his first lesson, right? A nearby school. He's just passing it. The school bell sounds. Out comes the lollipop lady. <laughs> Everything stops. Noel Gallagher is sitting in what apparently was something like a tiny little micro with an L sign on the top of it and L plates and all of the students see him. Oh no, talk about reputation down the drain for oh, the bad boys of Britpop who they were known as. He said the bad he had an entire of school of kids laughing and pointing at him. 
It was the first and only time actually he ever drove a car. Yeah, actually. I don't blame him to be honest after that. Can you imagine being in the middle of the Michael, getting the selfie done. Um, yeah, well done. I, well done. I, thank you. Um, prompt you impersonation. The, 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 the AI, um, I, I was going to say the, the um, whatever about the Oasis one because it looked like maybe a controversial statement. I don't think it's overly difficult to replicate Oasis music. It's essentially take a couple of distorted guitars and throw some drums. Yeah, but like brilliant, brilliant, it's brilliant. not that unique. Like let's be uh, honest, Oasis is, is. When Oasis came along, everything changed. They I, were. I good. I still think Blur were just. I know. I'm not not taken from that. But just I I each to his own. It's like what cup of tea do you? No, like? I get like that. But milk, I just I just think sugar. like Blur stuff was so like if you look at their all that they did afterwards and with gorillas and everything. Oh, it's like Oasis have been doing the same thing essentially for like thirty years. Ah, so. stop with you. Um, but the Michael Schumacher one, I really. <laughs> The Michael Schumacher one, I really um, think is like, it's pretty. I'm telling you how I'm it? telling you how crazy it's going to get. I've been saying of, it. That's just disgu- like I mean, I felt the guys in the guys in a coma and his family want a bit of privacy. I mean, for God's sake, can't child. get an interview. Him. Let's do it in AI. Yeah, moving, moving one facial features. All right, just one other story for those of you that are fans of the '70s. Donny Osmond has seriously reinvented himself, and he looks fantastic. There's a double page spread in the Echo today for you Osmonds fans with some lovely dreamy photographs of Donny. He's got a residency in Vegas if you choose to go. But I mentioned tea and what have you. May come back to this later on. But the humble brew, the old-fashioned cup of tea, or as they might call it in the UK, builder's tea, or whatever way you're having it yourself, sadly has been outtaken by all sorts of imposters. Um, And they include all sorts of herbal brews, one nastier than the next. They talk about ginger and peppermint and chamomile and green tea. We have a cupboard full of them, must be 15 different little pesky boxes constantly getting in the way of the Barry's tea. And you have chai and chamomile and ginger and hibiscus, echinchia, rubius, particularly nasty one, lemon balm, jasmine, oolong, berry, um, all of those... (laughs) All of those inside in our cupboard at home, I can tell you. Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Get to calls in a few minutes' time. Can I just say it's a free food Friday? Make sure you're texting or email... Sorry, texting who you are and where you are to 086-810-4106. And there's a lot of food to be delivered today, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. On top of that as well, we've got a double whammy of Live at the Marquee tickets to give away this morning. We have Ollie Murr's tickets and Bell X1 tickets to give away for Live at the Marquee. So that will be... a little later on this morning. We're talking about starting your day with a cup of tea. I loved that um, uh, online post from Lynch's Centra in Crosshaven. Uh, talk about trying to beat this for value. Have a great start to the day with the breakfast deal. Four sausages, two rashers, one hash brown. They've got down rash brown, but I'm assuming it's a hash brown, and one can. Whatever you have in yourself for Coke. It's almost like a hangover deal, isn't it? Five euro. Bait that, says you. I'm quite sure somebody could. But that's the breakfast deal. The breakfast roll with all of that in it and a can for a fiver. We need value. Don't we? Actually, yesterday, I'll tell you more about the NCT story a little later on. But yesterday, coming back from the NCT, I rocked over to Fitzpatrick's in Glanton. My God, I hadn't been there in years. It is ginormous now. It is a seriously big, efficient machine of a business with a fabulous deli. Great salad bar, wonderful pre-prep meals, big, big shop, going from strength to strength. Well done to them all. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Boy, you're fast off the mark with the text this morning, lads. I'll come to them as fast as I can, but keep texting. Text 0868-104-106 on the different subject I've mentioned and also for our Free Food Friday. I want to update because I saw Alina talking to... It's a lovely article. It's very, very sad, but it's an update nonetheless. Uh, but uh, it's in Corpio. Uh, we spoke to Alina some weeks back, a couple of months back, actually. She's... Uh, uh, mother of twins and um, at the time was very heavily pregnant and was living in what was termed at the time a nightmare of a flat with her uh, with her children her seven year old son um, uh, particularly for over three years um, and the, if I remember correctly the, the, the ceilings were falling down I think they were actually having to use the garden as the toilet this is you know some of the things that people have put up with with regards to um, you know accommodation I think Katu got involved at one stage the Community Action Tenants Union uh, and they were on the air with me as well, trying to highlight her plight. Alina joins me by phone again. Alina, good morning. Oh, my apologies. I think I need to punch in a line. Alina, can you hear me now? Morning to you. Yes, morning. So what, you sound exhausted. What, what's what's happened since we last spoke? You're out of that flat anyway, are you? Um, I was moved in, in Commons. and You were moved to the Commons? Yeah. Okay. With your no, son. No, I, I say when when I uh, when I stay in the apartment, they give us uh, emergency accommodation. Yeah. And actually, it was okay one month. And uh, Wednesday, I get a phone from the council, and they told me they will give me an apartment, and I need to go two o'clock there. I have appointment, and I was so happy when I get that phone. And my son, same. <laughs> we feel like our problem now, they're sort. And now, again, let me just remind people you are living with your seven year old son and pregnant with twins. Yeah. When's the due date? Uh, Monday. This coming Monday? Yeah, this okay. Monday. So, for the last month, you've been, did you say, in the Commons? Yeah. Okay. What's that like? Um,. It was. It is okay, actually, because we have our room. Uh, we have uh, bathroom in the room. Um, but um, what about cooking? Because this would be like no, the, we, these would be a typical hotel kitchen. bedroom with a, with a toilet and a shower. But what about cooking yeah. facilities? We we don't have kitchen actually here. It is a restaurant, and. Uh, they give us food, but uh, we don't go all the time because we sometimes we don't catch the lunch, the breakfast. But uh, not this is the point because anyway, I I bring here in my room. I have fridge. I have sometimes I I do myself something. Okay. To eat. So when you so when you're in the room with the fridge, do you have a little cooker in there or what? No. Microwave. Uh, yeah, I have microwave. So it's yeah. ready meals you would do. But what's the food like in the commons? Breakfast, lunch and dinners? Is yeah, that, yeah. What's it like? Actually, it's nice, the food here. Okay. I, I didn't complain. It's, Good for you. Good okay. for you. <laughs> yeah. And are there many people in the commons? Yeah, there are many families here. Like how many would you say, rough estimate? Uh, I'm not sure, but I know there are many families because they have a few rooms, probably. Are we talking about 50, 100, 150? Mm. 
Yeah, I think maybe more 50 people they okay. are here. And yeah. are they from all walks of life and from all different places, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, so you got a phone call then from City Council saying that you have now been uh, allocated a flat. Yeah, uh, Wednesday. It was around nine morning. At nine in the morning, you got a phone call and you were told to present at half past two. Where? Um, to, to, to the council. They told me I have appointment there. Okay, in City Hall. Yeah. yeah. What happened next? Um, exactly when I was in the bus with my son, uh, around one thirty, I I get another phone and they told me the appointment was cancelled and they sorry because they know I am pregnant and now I need to go there but uh, I don't need and they told me they will send me another address with another hostel and and go to see that hostel and to to move there and actually when I was there the they have strict rules. Uh, I can have visit. Nobody can visit me. Uh, my son, if he wants to go to play in the garden, he need to be all the time with someone from the staff. Um, same was many family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did they, they say where the second hostel was? The second was uh, where is Victoria Road? Okay, on the Victoria Road. But, uh, the second was actually the room very small. Uh, I need to share the bathroom with uh, another family. Uh, same, I can have visits, not, nothing. Uh, kitchen to share with other people. So and you would I be feel- so so you would be preparing your own food then if you move to the other hostel. Yeah. Okay. Why did they cancel the appointment and withdraw the flat? I don't know because I am very confused when when I was there. Uh, actually, they told me they never mentioned apartment. It was a misunderstood. I know my English is not so good, but I I know when I hear a flat or you know, uh, uh, and and they they say where will it be, and I know I know the place. So where, where what was the vicinity where they told you that it would be? They told me it is next to the Mercy. So they actually said the uh, uh, a flat near the Mercy. And then at half yeah. past two, rang you back to cancel the appointment and to deny that they ever offered you an apartment. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, I must have been very disappointed. The manager of your hostel, the manager of is it the manager of in the Commons was also called by the council, and yeah, was also told about an apartment for you. Yeah, because I, I told, I, I spoke with him yesterday. I was in the office and asked him uh, to explain me what is happening because I am confused. Um, to the council, they told me the hostel they wants to move me, and when I spoke with the owner, he told me he's not true. Actually, he get a phone from the council well. and yeah. they yeah. and they they wants to move me. Yeah. And uh, when I spoke with him, he asked me, say, but they they don't give you apartment because they told me, I say, no, no, they try to move me in another hostel. They give me two now to go. And so why, and anyway, he told, he said, oh, yeah, go yeah. on, go on. And, and he told me, uh, he is sure he 
they mention okay. flat. Okay, okay. So you, what we would call that is corroborating evidence from somebody else who heard the same as you. But why would they... Okay, that's very disappointing for you. But why move you? Why not just leave you where you are? Um, they try to blame me. Um, I left my son alone in the room for a few hours, and this is not true. Uh, last week, actually... What is happening, my son, he made chicken pox and a friend of mine, I, she came to bring me medication for my son. And um, when, when she need to leave, she asked me, where is the staff bus? And I told her, I, I will go with her. It's the staff bus, it's probably okay. one minute to walk from yeah. the hostel. Yeah. And... Uh, my son, he stay in the bed, he watched TV, and I spoke with another uh, man, he lives here. And I told him I need to drop my friend to the bus station, and if my son, he needs something, um, he can uh, call my son on his room and go there. And I say, I will miss just a few minutes. Right. Did they... And he say, no worries, yeah, you can go, because he has okay. a son, and sometimes... When he leave, he asked me if I can help him, and he was agreed. And I, I, I was with my friend. Maybe I missed fifteen minutes, twenty minutes maximum. And when I come back, they, they told me I don't need to leave my son alone in the room. And I say yes, but he has someone to watching him in mm. case something is happening. Mm. I never leave my son alone in the room all the time where I was. My son was with me. It's all the time, 24 okay, hours but, from 24 okay. hours. Okay, but you, you say it was 15 minutes. How long do they say you left him there for? Uh, a few hours. Oh, and so I, I, I told them to check the cameras if they don't believe. So you just went as far as the bus stop, but they're saying you were gone three hours. Yeah. And on that basis, yeah. they say you have to go. You're going to be moved. Yeah. Yeah. You must be absolutely yeah. worn out and exhausted from all this here. Yeah? I am because I, I, I don't need this in the last two days. Um, especially now because I, I need to rest. I am very tired. I, I, I become very tired when I, uh, when I walk. Now tell me, what will happen when you go in to give birth to the twins? What will happen with your son? Uh, he will stay with a friend of mine in the house. She will drop him to school. Okay. She, she will have care of him. So you yeah. do have some friends but no family? I uh, no, I don't have my family here. I have just friends, but I have many support from the people yeah. in the last year, in the last time. And where are all of the fam? Where are all your family? Other country? Oh uh, yeah, they are in Romania. In Romania, okay, yeah, yeah. And and no partner for the children or anything, no to help no. you. No, no. Just me and my son. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm going to get texts from people saying, "Why doesn't the father of children step up and get involved in their rearing or in helping? You know, giving you some help." Uh, that's not possible, no. No. Okay. 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 And you and uh, do you ever think it was going to be this difficult when you came from Romania? I mean, what prompted you to come? Okay, can you repeat? I didn't I'm saying, did you ever think that when you decided to come here from Romania that it would be so bad? No. No, because actually when I came here, uh, first time uh, I, I came in, in Ireland with a contract 
to work yeah. and it was okay. I work hard. I get this flat where I live in the last four years. I made a lot of sacrifice to have to have everything for my son and offering everything. And the last years for me and him was like a bad dream, you know, yeah. and sometimes I'm, I'm thinking if I have the possibility to come back in my country because actually I, in the last time, uh, I, I feel like uh, some, some people actually, they say they try to help, but actually they don't help. They try to put you down and I, I start to be a little bit disappointed. Mm. And yeah, now in the la now in the last days when I hear this, they try to move me because I left my son alone. They it's like they blame me. I am a bad mom. And no, but I, I mean, know no, I, you know you're saying you're not. But you can't. I imagine you can't be leaving children unattended in a in a, a big area like say a hostel where there would be strangers. You don't know what could potentially happen. You see. Yeah, I, I know. I know, you know the rules. Yeah, but the point it is, uh, it was someone. And I spoke. I know. No, I mean, listen. I'm not yeah. here to. I'm not here to chastise you. I'm just saying that's the way they would see it. Anything could happen to a seven-year-old child if the parent or parents leave them alone in a strange place with yeah. unknown people. Yeah, but it was because he has, you know, chicken pox. Oh, I know. This the doctor told me to don't expose him, you know, yeah. to... Yeah, they I told know. me to keep him in isolation because yeah. there are a lot of kids here. Why, what would you I, say I, to I people texting me saying your best option would be to go back to the bosom of your own family in Romania? Uh, I, I don't know about this. <laughs> people say that... <laughs> Because actually, I don't uh, read the message, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so bad for you here, you know. Yeah. Are your family aware back home how bad things are for you? Uh, yeah, they are. They wondering for me, you know. They, but uh, they can't help me too much because they are there. I am here, and yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just if, I a, if I had a daughter in a different country and circumstances like you, I'd be on the first plane over to help, I can tell you. Yeah. No? You don't think? Yeah, I know. Anyway, I suppose it is what it is. What happens, what happens now? Are you going to move to the other hostel where you'll have shared facilities in a smaller um, bedroom? No, actually I refused. So you're going to stay put? Yeah. Okay, and, um, and I, I will stay here. What, um, what, but what will happen? You, you're going into hospital in the next few days. Yeah, I will go Monday. So do you think when the room is empty, the, they'll lock? What do you think will happen when your room is empty? Uh, I suppose nobody will stay there because I have my stuff. Okay. I, I will come back after. Okay, okay. And would it be okay for us to call the council and ask them why at one stage they offered an apartment and then withdrew it and denied it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you mind? Yeah, you can. Yeah, because if, if, if that is the truth, it's very cruel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, this, is this an at-risk pregnancy, did I hear? Oh, uh, Yeah. In, in, in what way? Have they told you that, have you been talking to um, gynees or doctors at the CUMH about it? Yeah, because one of the babies has problem. Uh, and uh, after the birth, he, 
probably he will need surgery. <sighs> they want to do first time MRI to the, his brain oh, and after dear. to see what is the decide. Yeah, he has liquid in half of the brain and a cyst on the top of the head. Does that worry you? Clearly it would worry you as a mother. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 Okay. Try and stay as positive as you can, you know. Try and stay as positive as you, as you can. Let's see what the council have to say on what happened or what you say happened and I'll come back to you. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Where are you now in the commons, is it? Yes. Okay. And, and they're just leaving you alone, are they? Uh, with my son. Yeah. No, but they're not saying you have to go today or anything. Oh, no. Okay, okay. Okay, all right. I'll be back to you, Alina. Let's see what we can get a response from City Council, see what they have to say on the matter. It's always important to update with people. Unfortunately, uh, things have got no better for Alina, in spite of the fact she did get out of that nightmare of a flight. You couldn't, you couldn't live there, actually. It was in a shocking condition. I remember at the time, um, there was um, excrement and urine pouring in through the roof from the um, apartment above and all sorts of things, and showers were broken and toilets didn't work and the smell of filth was everywhere. And, having to pee in the garden, the conditions that people are forced to live in. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Uh, I got back to the phone lines on this um, because I was mentioning earlier in the week on top of everything else with the housing crisis and, uh, you know, accommodation issues. One of the things that they were going to do was build modular homes and get them all ready for Ukrainian war refugees. And they had a target of seven and they had areas here in, in Cork um, that were actually earmarked for it. I know that Mallow was one of them and the second one was, of course, down around the Mahan area. But by all accounts, my understanding is they haven't done a single thing. Um, so your thoughts on that are welcome. Um, the headline in the journal recently was not one modular home ready for Ukrainian refugees as the government's way off target of 700 and nothing has changed there with regards to uh, being way off target. Quite a lot of text coming in on other issues. Unfortunately, of course, you get uh, different opinions on stories like uh, Alina's and I will come to those. Many people suggesting uh, that we have too many people here in the first place. Uh, I think that was something that Councillor Kenneth Flynn said recently. He joins me by phone. Ken, good morning. Did you hear any of that conversation at all, I wonder? I, I just heard it briefly there. Um, I, I heard the tail end of the conversation and I was talking to your research team as well, just getting more of the background on it. So. Yeah. Look, I, I'm in City Hall myself at one o'clock today and uh, uh, I think the lads are going to send me over some more information. Yeah, there it's just a pushback already this morning from people who are entitled to their own opinion is why people don't go home, uh, that the Irish taxpayer has to pay for all of this and that our medical services have to pay for it and our gynees have to be working on uh, babies who, who um, you know, have uh, uh, parents who are here from other countries and that it's just costing a fortune, that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion uh, and... You know, I I spoken recently with you as well about the fiasco with with, with our with our refugee situation at the moment in, in not just in Cork but throughout the country. Um, but look, there there's 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 merit in what a lot a lot of the comments. There's some of the comments I don't agree with. Some of them are a bit harsh, but um, there's merit in a lot of, in a lot of things that have been said at the moment. Yeah, is it is it harsh to say why why don't why doesn't she go back to Romania? Free hospitals to have kids. It's nothing but an effing joke here. Things like that. Yeah, look, 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 people are entitled to their okay. opinion and, and there's, a, there's a lot of upset out, out okay. there, Neil, mainly brought on by this government because of the unfairness and the, 
the unfairness of how how everybody is being treated in, the, in this country. Um, and there, there's a reality out there that a lot of people feel that their our own citizens aren't being treated as well as other citizens coming into the country. Okay, okay. What what is happening? Did you have an opportunity to look at? Blackpool, because again, I'm, I'm mentioning this now because I was contacted by people in Blackpool who were talking about uh, the recent arrival of what could well be people from another country that were shifted from Dublin because I was told there might have been, uh, they might have been getting hassled from residents in Dublin. Some were saying they were Syrians, they had moved to um, a location and arrived by coach uh, to the Watercourse Road. Um, and nobody was consulted regarding the matter. Is there any truth in that? Uh, well, I, I believe there's. I believe you're you're quite correct in what's being said. I have a meeting myself in Blackpool at Harper Street today um, with local residents. Um, there has been some issues um, where the resident, any resident that's been sp- speaking to me, has said, "Look, we're delighted to help people in. We're we're welcoming." But if there's a level of antisocial behaviour, which is the claims are being made, well, there's a claim um, we'll of, have, of of daytime drinking outside off licences and stuff like that, uh, which which is illegal. Which but is, is illegal. it true? I, I have no reason to doubt the people that are that I'm meeting today. Okay. You know, okay. um, I have no reason. I have no reason to doubt people at all when they're telling me that there's antisocial behaviour and, the, and there's and there's um, behaviour that isn't acceptable to a community. Like you know, you don't you don't. It's not just one person calling me. It's it's it's, it's five or six different okay. residents that I've spoken to, okay. and the, the story seems to be the same. And that's why I'm meeting meeting with people today. If there is. A factual. Uh, if there is a problem, we'll we'll have to get the guys involved. But this would be a, a, a private building that would be leased yeah. by a private individual yeah. to uh, to the government, I guess. The government to the, department, to the, either the OPW or the Department of Integration, or, or, or one of these situations. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. But look, look, Neil, you can't have a situation where there's one rule for an individual, there's one rule for ten O'Flynn, and then there's another rule for another set of individuals. That just can't go on. And that's what's happening. And that's why people are annoyed. That's why people are cheesed off of what's going on at the moment. I mean, if it had the situation you now with the modular home um, fiasco, where 200 units were, uh, have been built, um, 700 units were promised uh, at this date, we're way, way behind. We're now finding out that the Department of Integration, OPW, Department of Justice, Department of Foreign Affairs, they're all hanging out of this deal. And a lot of the sites that have been identified by OPW haven't, uh, can't be used because there's no services on those sites. There's no, there's no electricity, there's no water, there's no storage on those sites. So the same as what happened in Mallow. We have a situation where uh, hundreds of thousands, if not more, euros are being spent on research and, being th- and you know, we might as well open out the window and just throw it out the window at yeah. the moment. Yeah, 64 of those were to be built in Man, did that ever get started? Uh, not, not started yet. Not started yet. Um, I don't know. I don't. We have no update. The, the councils, neighbourhoods. You know, you mentioned there how people aren't being informed about people coming into the community. Neighbourhoods. Well, in, in the case of Blackpool, I'm just saying that I'm told that a coach load arrived and everybody piled off it. I know it was in the middle of the day or night or anything, and people were saying. Where do these people come from, and where? And, and nobody consulted. City council and city councillors aren't being consulted. OPW and the Department of Integration are doing their own thing. They're not consulting with us widely. They're not saying, "Can we have your assistance or help, or can you help identify an area that would be suitable?" And that is not happening. It's a cloak and dagger situation. It's a uh, some civil servant has come up with the right idea. Don't tell anyone and just land. Just land. Don't tell it. anyone. Do it on the QT. <laughs> Do it, do it on the QT, do it, deliver people at night. Uh, and this sort of thing, you know, if you had a, cons- a consultation and people were aware of it and people were expecting it, 
you know, we wouldn't be going through such resentment and such difficulty in, in neighbourhoods. And, you know, you could flag your concerns, you could have those addressed and have them fixed before anything started. But this cloak and dagger idea of don't tell anyone anything and just land it on them and, and deal with the fallout afterwards is not acceptable. And these, um, and these the modular reality. homes, I'm told, by an insider within the industry tells me that the modular houses that, would build, that they would build, and they haven't done, but they're supposed to be building, would have to be knocked when the Ukrainian war is over because <laughs> they wouldn't have specific planning to be used as Irish housing stock. There's no planning. There's no planning required for these because they're under the they're under the square footage for for planning. The reality is that it won't suit Irish housing stock. They'd have to be then converted, and because I they're only one I, bed. Because they're only one bed, uh, and then I I understand that there's a circular going around the department. I haven't seen it, but I, I have it on very good authority that you know perhaps these modular homes could be then taken back to the Ukraine afterwards. Um, at the expense of the Irish taxpayer. Oh, really? Uh, not, not only will we build them, we'll, we'll actually we'll put them in, we'll, we'll disassemble them and, and post them back to, to our courier, them back to... That's, rather, in, that's rather insulting to people who are looking for public authority <laughs> well, housing. Look, Neil, I'll be straight with you. I'm talking about modular homes in city council for the last 10 years. I've seen modular homes work in the UK. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a very good fact, right? The biggest company that supplies modular homes in Ireland and designs and builds modular homes, which is based in, in Dublin, is actually producing modular homes in Scotland. Their factory is building the modular homes in Scotland. What's happening now in, mod- in modular homes, there's over a billion euros allocated by tender for six different councils in the UK. The UK is, is way, way, way ahead, ahead yeah. of Ireland yeah. okay. with modular homes. We're talking about modular homes. What we have to have is rapid build construction homes. And that can be done, it's, you know, with the pandemic where China was able to build a hospital within a week. You know, that's the reality of what modular can be done if you if you roll out modular correctly. Okay. The problem is here is that we have we've discussed modular homes inside in City Hall. I brought in modular companies from Glanmire to, to to Belfast and everywhere in between to discuss it with officials. There is no taste for it or no um, desire urgency from the, from the department from the Department of Housing. Mm. Um, nobody seems to know okay. what they're doing or where they're doing. Uh, and you know, modular. The, the problem is now modular has gotten a dirty a dirty name because everything from a garden room to containers to 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 anything with steel or anything with rapid build is known as modular. Okay. There's a huge disparity and a huge difference. Okay. And I think the biggest problem there is that you have X amount of companies tied up now with these properties, building these properties, which are um, over budget and, and underperforming for Ukrainians and won't be able to be used for our own Irish Okay, people. I just have an update on that because I'm over time for now but somebody texted to say modular homes have started in Mahan. Ken O'Flynn will want to get out of the north side. They're being lifted into place, they said. So that's interesting. Uh, well, 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 no, I'm I'm stuck in the north side. I I won't be I won't be changing constituency. Okay, so well, well, apparently they're lifting something into yeah. place, okay. so it looks Fair as enough. if they are modular. So will will you be able to come back after your your conversations later with Blackpool residents? I will. I will okay. come back to you. I'll okay. Back to you on Monday, no problem. Thanks for that, Kenneth Flynn, Independent Councillor for Cork North East. Uh, text 0868104106. We're over time. Back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Okay, free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas, and Blackpool Retail Park. With a big shout out to everybody at Laura National School in Bandon, always listening. Morning, Katie. A couple of family businesses. Uh, so you get a two for one deal, Neil, 
Sheila if we win. Noreen's hair studio in White's Cross with Noreen and Lynn and Sophie and Ruby and Breda and Sheila and Catherine and also Sean O'Leary Groundworks in Kildinan. Sean and Paddy and Turbo and Baby per- don't forget Baby Turbo. There's Turbo and Baby Turbo. Pat, the two Donies, uh, Tom, Jimmy and Cameron. Uh, you can't beat a deal like this. Don't pass on it. <laughs> two for one deal, they're telling me, from Perry Perry today. Uh, to everybody at the Mercy University Hospital. Lovely story. I don't have time to read it all out, Emma, but she tells me she's a student technician doing placement there in the pharmacy department for the last 12 weeks. Today's her last day and they have treated her so well. She would love for them to win today. Rockwell Engineering in Claheen, the Dean Hotel are always listening. Watch applications in Little Island, Kirby Car Dismantling in Ballernacurra, Blackpool Travel. Morning, Amanda. Uh, Union Hall Smoked Fish, uh, Power Aggregates in Carrick Tool, the Hair Factory in Douglas, uh, Oregon Tarmac and Oregon Quarries are also listening. Shipping Solutions as well. Ross Oil and Fernandes. Uh, Kiri Renault and Kinsale Road. Morning to James Kenny. D.B. Schenker in Little Island. Mary and Argos down in Maham Point for all the team. The teachers working hard at Loretto Secondary School in Fromoy. Always listening to Red. Complete upholstery and foam services in Barrack Street. All fresh fruit and veg wholesalers in Little Island. Won't be long now before the new spuds. Powered up scrapyard in Forge Hill. Best neighbours in the world apparently. Um, everybody at Premet Fabrication. Um, Powered off road, Little Hands Childcare on Redemption Road. So we'll do another bunch of shout outs in about a half an hour's time. So this will feed 15 of you chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers. The main events include chicken wraps, chicken pitters, and beef burgers, basted in the famous Piri Piri sauce. You got this uh, Piri salted fries, rice, and waffle fries, and build your own cheesecake. Ah, uh, yeah, that for many is the main event with loads of different toppings. Courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Thank you to the listener who got in touch and sent me an aerial photograph of the modular homes that are being put in place as we speak um, down in Mahan. Now, they're all on foundations. They're tiny. Uh, they put them together in blocks of two. Then there's a gap and another two and a gap and another two. Imagine it's going to be, I think I read out this morning, 64 in total. They're just popping them up on the foundations at the moment. It's a pity they're not bigger. Because if you ever looked at what a modular home can really look like, they can be stunning. Three bedroom, four bedroom, five bedroom modulars. These are a million miles from that. They're like small little boxes. Um don't know what kind of money. I imagine we shouldn't be paying huge money for them because they look, I don't know what they're like inside, but from the outside looking at them, they are seriously basic rectangles. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Uh, going back to the phone lines in a second, but yesterday we were talking about the new pedestrian bridge over the South Ring. It's been put in place. It was put in place overnight. It looks fantastic. You can't use it just yet, but a buddy of mine, Kevin Meany, I call him the train man. He's got the most incredible uh, train system in the home. Uh, he doesn't live too far from it. He sent me an aerial shot of the new pedestrian bridge, I guess from his, I guess it's from his train room um, up in the house and you can see the bridge below and in the background just behind it is the shell of Vernon Mount. It's a fabulous photograph. I've shared it on my Instagram page this morning if you want to go take a look at it and I'm also asking the question, what should it be called? So you can answer my Instagram page if you want and let me know what you think the bridge should be called. People are having a good laugh on my Instagram on this already this morning. So we'll come back to all of those in 15 or 20 minutes time. Uh, backed up with phone calls all week long and I'm trying to get as many people on the air on different topics as possible. We're talking about the cost of living, prices rising. Let's talk about prices a little bit more. James, good morning. 
Morning, my sincerest apologies. I'm very rude. Kept you waiting a long time. So you Thanks have the, the you have the, you have the floor now. Your your television gave up the ghost, is it? Yeah, that was that was what sort of started me checking it out, and I just priced around medium priced TVs in I think about seven different places in the general area and outside of the Cork area. The most I could find in the particular model of a difference was seventy five cents. Seventy five cent. Yeah. Okay. What just describe the TV? What size? It's a 49-inch or whatever, normal, the same as I had before, mid-range. It, okay. was, it was 4 and four ninety nine ninety five was one of the prices. Right. the rest were 4 Okay. And how many different retailers did you check? I checked on seven. I asked two of them if there was a discount, and they said no. There was no, there was no discount. That was the sales price, and that was the price everybody has. One of them had a, if you find it cheaper any place else, we'll match it. That was I the said, best they could work? do, yeah. So you, but but well, because they're all match. the same, it's pointless. There was nothing to match. There was nothing to match. Did any so of them say that the markup or the profit on televisions is tiny? No, I didn't actually get the sad story. No, it was just sort of that's the price. That was the price, like I mean, you go to buy an Apple product, and the, some of the dealers will tell you if they sell below face our, our recommended price, they could lose their uh, franchise. Well, that's because Apple keep a very tight rein on prices, unless it's you buy it from, unless you unless you buy it from Apple themselves. But it's also wrong. That's cartelling or price fixing. Okay. Do you think there's price fixing involved in white and brown goods then? In everything. Everything. Uh, almost everything. I mean, you look at the bins this week as a contentious issue this week. They're, they will all go up within four or five weeks. Because pandas put it up. Pandas put it up. They will all go. You've seen with the ESP, the power, the gas, they all go up and they all come down the same. Yeah. Same with broadband um, supp- suppliers or those that give you totally your phones. television network. Yeah. Uh, interest rates in, in uh, I think, in, in one of the banks in Southern Ireland is 0.6%. And in a similar branch in Northern Ireland, there's 4.2% on uh, deposits. And I would break. 4.2% so, you'll get for a deposit? I think so. Like you saw what happen, happened with Apple in America, where they created the situation where they were going to give 4% interest on deposits. 4.2, was it? My God. 4.2. I mean, you wouldn't get a half 60, a percent in Ireland, would you? 60 billion changed hands in a day. Now, you also were looking at other things, including supermarkets, you were saying. Well, I would say, you know how you get the, the basket compared to Dunn's or compared to a Lidl or Aldi? I think if you went in randomly and bought 100 euros worth of product in any two supermarkets, there would be very little in the difference. Yeah, yeah. You can hand-pick prices to make them whatever you want them to be. But if yeah. you go in randomly and pick them, you will find... If you look at those companies' returns, their profit margins are very similar. So they have leading, they have leading items that look good. But in the overall shop, it's not going to be much different. Between, so I, say, I are you say saying there's very little difference between an Aldi and a Tesco? I don't think there's a whole lot. There's a certain, uh, some, somewhat less than the German ones, but not a lot. Okay. So basically, we're being controlled. It's more, I think this is more about control, actually, than anything else. I think we're sleepwalking into a world of control. Uh, no, it's just that uh, I remember talking about this just after Christmas and I got um, a very stern email from, I think it was it was either Lidl or Aldi because it was referring price, referencing price dis- differences and they get very touchy-feely about it. But oh. I, I, I do know that I did a major shop just before Christmas in Tesco and I was alarmed at how expensive it was. Um, and I've done similar reasonably big shops in Aldi and my 
own impression as a consumer is that it was considerably less. Well, perhaps, but I always thought that if you buy 10, 12 items in both places, there won't be a huge difference across the board items in both places. Mm, there won't mm, be a huge difference. Mm. Like, I mean, you look at how they, sh- how, they, how they present, how they market their stuff. I mean, they're all the same. Okay, so we've co- okay, so we're covering a lot of ground here. We started with your television. The only difference you could find between seven suppliers for a forty-nine inch standard flat screen was seventy-five cent. Um, but you also think that the drinks industry is controlled as a cartel. But you, you also mentioned fuel. But if you if you shop around, you will get fuel at cheaper prices in different garages. Yeah, not a lot. Like I mean, it's not the retailer that's to blame for this. Really, it's this the wholesaler. The retailer has very little margin. So the retailer is taking it on the tin if they cut price, because their margin is slight. But in some cases, there might be a special uh, presentation or something on, or a, or a special week that might cut prices. But overall, you look at the price of cars, you go to buy a car now, electric car. They're all the same price. You know, in some cases, they won't even trade in your old electric car. But that's the problem you'll have, is the trade-in, I think. That's where they catch yeah. you all of the time. They won't. So yeah. they'll charge whatever they want, and they will tell you they'll sell your, your, your used uh, electric car. So, NCT is another one you mentioned. Why do you deem that to be a cartel? Because there's only one person, one company offering it. There's no competition. There's no competition. I mean, there's an obligation on the NCT, or there was, that if they couldn't offer you a test within 30 days, the test was free. But they put in a whole lot of clauses now into it that covers them. If they offer you a test, in the meantime, even they offered me one in two days, which I couldn't do. For a test that wasn't due up until uh, May, and then when I went online to book it, it was November. So you should so get it free if it's November and not May. No, no, but they've all the clauses in now. If they, they offered me a test, so I can't get it free. Okay. I couldn't take it. Oh, because they offered, it. and you yeah, okay. But yeah, do, you do know that the price of alcohol in pubs varies dramatically. This can't be a cartel there if some pubs charge... Say, for instance, six euro for a pint, and another's charging four ninety nine. Pubs, as such, now okay. If you're buying in Temple Bar and you're buying down here, there is a big difference, definitely. But like a lot of a lot of places keep fairly close. I don't think pubs particularly are, are that way inclined. I mean, if I said that, I, may, I I wouldn't agree with it. No, I don't think so. But I do think that to a great degree, all major products, like I mean, whether you buy fertilizer or whatever. There's very, very little in the difference. But very if you had seven it. different shops all selling televisions, right? And they're all yeah. four four hundred ninety nine euro. That's mm. that's bad for business. You 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 need to be cheaper than your competitors. Like, why would you want to be the same? For profit. So they Probably all keep an eye profit. on each other's prices. Is it? Well, the, but that's what the commissions, uh, the, the the prices commissioners said that they they it's up to themselves that they watch each other and they can do that. If it's a cartel, they can be investigated. But otherwise, it, they're doing nothing wrong. But there's no little, there's no little price. online meeting at the end of every week where they all control the prices. No, nothing ah, like that. no, no, no. Of course yeah. there is. Yeah. Yeah. There is. <laughs> I'm fairly sure there is actually. I say it's gone past that. I say it's just check my website. I'm pretty sure. I think we're freewheeling into every year an age of control. We just that's the price. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they know, I think so, and and they're protected because everybody else's price is the same as theirs. Yeah, okay. Nine, no more than the financial regulator. There's no teeth. Okay, we did just uh, did a little bit of check before you let you go. Cork Bio did a thirty-item shop in Tesco and Aldi in 2023, 
Um, and apparently they were comparing the prices with 2022. The Irish Mirror did a similar one, actually. And the Tesco price for these 30 items in 2022 was t- was just uh, 29.57. And the same items in 2023 was 36.97, which was a 25% increase year on year. And the same items in Aldi in 2022 were cheaper. 27.83, tiny difference in the price. Uh, yeah. And in 2023, it had gone up to 33.98. So Aldi's prices between last year and this year went up 22%, Tesco's 25%. But Milk there's, has come down. There's Milk three... has come down to the farmer. What? Milk has come down to the farmer. Have you noticed a decrease in milk? Well, I didn't know. I don't know what the 30 items was, but to answer your question, the same 30 items in Tesco and Aldi, Tesco is uh, three euros dearer. And what's the spend? The thirty-six euro ninety-seven versus thirty-three euro ninety-eight. So ten percent of a difference there. Yeah. So, like, I mean, okay, right? I, I don't know. Three isn't a lot. Ten percent is a good bit, yeah. But you expect it cheaper in Lidl and Aldi, don't you? You'd think it should be cheaper than ten percent. Well, I think there should certainly be ten percent of a difference anyway. Okay, okay. Stay listening. The items were pasta, pasta sauce, rice, minced beef, whole chicken, loaf of bread, milk, butter. Uh, ham, cheddar cheese, eggs, cornflakes, apples, bananas, carrots, onions, baked beans, yogurt, bourbon creams, and tea bags. Text 0868104106. Lots then on characters. Uh, We were trying to put a list together of core characters from back in the day. Uh, Thank you so much to uh, those that you got involved. Here are some of them. Another few characters from the south side back in the day included Trampus that lived under the bridge on Forge Hill, Nicky Ring from Kent Road, Dommy Phillips, who apparently is still alive from Tory Top Road. Then there was Sheila Joyce, the cowgirl on the Grand Parade. You might remember. Um, sometimes you would see uh, a woman in a Stetson hat directing traffic back in the day on Grand Parade. Bernie Murphy, Dancing Dave, Andy Gaw, Catty Barry, Christopher Poins, um, who I actually knew from the 1970s, Christopher. He used to call himself the Duke of Battenberg. Trampus, Holy Joe, Lord, Lord Mustus, Mustard, I should say, The Canon, Holy Mary. These are, a lot of these are new ones on me. Yoo-Hoo from Greenhouse. Surely be to God that would be Yoo-Hoo from Greenmount, but I don't know. Anyway, keep those coming, text 0868104106. And then lots of people talking about what the bridge should be called. Lovely email came in. Um, by uh, this? Yeah, from Linda Tobin with a photograph of the late Michael O'Regan uh, dedicate the bridge to Michael O'Regan who shared the news with us all selling over one million copies of the papers the Echo in particular with the evening Echo ringing out through our checker, checkered narrow nooks and crannies of a city back in the good old days uh, he was a lovely friend so another suggestion for the name of the pedestrian bridge back after the break talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818 Cork's Red FM yeah, some people can be quite tough in their texting chatting with Alina earlier on this morning she's got a 7 year old son and is pregnant with twins and uh, is currently in the commons but is to be moved to another hostel had been promised a, a flat and says that it was taken away uh, many people texting on that what is the father of the twins doing to help apart from doing nothing well I asked that and you know she didn't have much to say apart from no help 
I'm happy Alina is being fed in the Commons because if she was Irish, she wouldn't get any hot food. We have had first-hand experience of this as a family. Where is the father of the twins for support or the father of the first child for that matter? Uh, morning, Neil. I'm currently in the Commons Inn. The staff are fantastic and show a lot of compassion and humanity and will support everyone who needs support here in the Commons Inn. The rooms are great and the food and facilities for children, great. You can also wash and dry your own clothing. Um, there's somebody who's very thankful for the uh, situation they find themselves in and uh, very happy with uh, the staff and the facilities of the Commons. Free cooked food for you. How bad? Pity I'm Irish. Um, can you ask the question, is it the council's false fault that she is pregnant again? Um, another one, why doesn't she go home? Why does the Irish taxpayer have to pay for this? Many people saying, go home, go home, go home. Interesting one saying, you should know that there is a brothel being run out of an accommodation provider on Side. I know this from a good source. How could we prove that, though? More details on that, if you don't mind. Um, and then one more for now, another foreigner demanding more from our broken country, and only one, actually, to balance it. Go home, people are saying to you. That's the answer from some people, is it? Why? Because we have a housing crisis, they say. That lady is a human being, and so is her son. A home, you know, is not a luxury, it's a necessity. People turning on each other because of race and nationality is not going to help the crisis. Our government is at fault for this, not the people. Stop blaming and fighting with people needing a home. The same people who tell her go home cry over a dog in a shelter. Thank you for that. The same people who who actually have an opinion about not being able to house everybody also would make the point that many of us who went overseas to start new lives, me included, went with... Um, all of the best of intentions and hope to get a job and to provide for ourselves. And many people who went overseas to maybe Australia or UK, Canada, in my case, or America, had to find our own accommodation and our own employment and support ourselves. And many people are saying that, um, you know, a country like Ireland, it's not sustainable, uh, the model that we have at the moment, and it needs to be fixed um, because it's only we're, we're way past crisis now at this stage so keep those texts coming on food prices um, Varadkar tells us that what we already know and the cost of living is getting harder his parties are taking record VAT receipts because of the rises in those prices you talk about vulture funds are running our Belgian building product um, projects thanks to the Varadkar government also everything in this country has been sold off So we're importing way too many products that we should be producing ourselves at home. And it's all too late to change that, says Anthony at work. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Audio for you. I hope you'll find this interesting. I was mad keen to listen to it because we were telling you recently of um, uh, the charity Creative Lives. And uh, our very own uh, Breed of Forest has been going out and visiting different organizations that have come together, giving people opportunities to do things and to create a hobby and make new friends. Uh, and this is my third report on this, incidentally. Uh, and this is right across the city and county, letting people know what's out there for creative hands. If you want to try something different and make new friends, uh, particularly later in life, you know, I mean, I often hear of people whose partner died or husband died or wife died and they were so, so lonely, an awful lot of time in their hands. And they just got very down about it. There is a group called the Cork Woodturners Guild. That's exactly what they do. They have a lathe and they turn wood and they make things. They use the machine called the lathe and they make beautiful pieces out of wood. Bowls, lamps, pens, even things like tiered jewellery stands. And every month then, they hold competitions and uh, 
Um, they have a final and everything gets varnished and you'll hear in the audio that some of them give things to friends and family members and what have you but they get apparently it's incredibly relaxing to turn wood by all accounts Uh, so let's have a listen to the report this is um, uh, from the one of the more recent get-togethers where they all got together to do a bit of uh, wood turning and we'll get stuck into that after the break Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. I was inside in a tool shop in Alverplunk Street one day. They were doing a wood-turning demonstration and there was three gentlemen there from the wood-turning guild and they told me about it. So they were very friendly and they invited me along and I went along and I've been coming since. And so I can go to my workshop Spend a couple of hours there, I mightn't, but I make some time, mightn't turn out very well, but generally, they're not too bad, like. It's fantastic, I'd recommend it. I don't particularly like watching a television when I come home from work after my grub, I just go out to the shed, and you dream away for a couple of hours, you know, that's, that's what it is, you know, and anyone here would tell you the very same thing. It's kind of, you put a bit of timber on the lathe, you haven't a clue what you're starting out to do, but after two or three hours, you end up with something, and nine out of ten times, you're happy with it, you know? And maybe the tenth time, you just throw it into the bin for firewood, you know? It's creative. It's different. It just makes satisfaction in making something. You know, one of the huge things I missed when my wife died, make something up in the workshop, bring it in, put it up on the kitchen table and she'd admire it. I miss that. <laughs> so now what I do, I might I might take a photograph of it and send it on to one of my kids and hope they'll admire it. Moulding the wood in front of your eyes, those chisels just, it's when it works, when you get everything right and your technique is tuned as you cut the wood, it's just so therapeutic and it's just beautiful to see when you make a nice cut like this chap's doing here. It's just, it's magical. And when you stop the lathe and you see the wood having cut into it and created a shape in it, you see the secrets of the wood inside it and sometimes it is just exquisite. And then of course you, you can learn to do different techniques like that. It's just as a whole minefield of things that you can do. I often went out to the lathe and I'd put a piece of wood up on the lathe and I might only make shavings, but it's so therapeutic and so relaxing. And you're out there on your own, maybe. And in a short space of time, you have something turned. And the real cross-section in wood turning, all trades, crafts, bankers, judge, just everybody is in it, you know, because everybody wants to work with their hands and make something. You could be a painter or drawing or sketching. You could be ceramics, whatever. But everybody, I think, has it in them to want to make something. And that's where wood turning has been amazing. We have people of every description. And there are no differences because as far as we are all concerned, we're all woodturners. And that, that speaks for itself. You start talking about woodturning and then after a while conversations, they become more personal. You know, so I mean it is an outstanding organisation, I think. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends in America, um, women friends in America who turn, and it's big over there and they, you know, there's no reason for women not to turn it's not hard it's not you don't need force to do it um you just need a lathe some of my best friends when my wife died in 2013 
these fellas here, they were fantastic. I get phone calls, you are right, and I have a load of friends, and they're really good, caring people, you know. And it gets fellas together, people that might never come out of the house for a night, and get them going, and it's good for your mental health. We had a guy down to our workshop last Thursday night, and he was doing a demonstration for us, and he said the reason he got into Woodrow and he was depressed. And the doctor said to him, have you any hobbies? And he said, well, I'm fairly good at woodwork. He said, did you ever try wood turning? And he got at wood turning, and he really enjoyed it. And it's good for the mind, good for the body, and it's brilliant. The great thing I found about wood turning is that for all levels, whether you're making a pen, or you're making bowls or lamps, there's something in it for everybody. And usually people start out very small. We all start out small, see if we like it. And we build up from there. It doesn't matter if you know nothing about wood, what your skill level is. Like, for example, I play golf. Not everyone can play golf. Everybody can return. Go and have a taster session. Go along and either watch someone do it or, better still, really, just go and have a go. Go and learn from someone who knows what they're doing and make sure it's safe and you'll be hooked. You don't have to be great to start, but you have to start in order to become great. Before each one, Peter does a class, you know, beginners, and I, I give a hand at that at times as well. So, I mean, there's no problem if people want to come, they're more than welcome. The great thing about wood turning, I found, is you can start making something and within an hour, maybe an hour and a half, it's done, finished, ready to go. Yeah, brilliant, you know, I took it fairly easily, you know, and um, like as we said, you know, the people are great, you know, fabulous. Fabulous camaraderie, you know, with them, you know, and um, no secrets, they'll all share, share what they have, you know, so it's very good. And I also work with people that would have uh, strokes. The stroke nurse was telling me that when your hands are working, your brain starts to work. So I had three guys that had a stroke, they came to me for a class. One of them had only about 10 minutes concentration for the first couple of nights, and I built them up nice and steady and was able to do the two and a half hours by the time he finished. About five weeks. I never sell anything, but I have a good few children, and sometimes they come in and they'd see a lamp or they'd see a board, and they'd say, oh, Dad, I need something for a friend. <laughs> and I'm happy to. Sure, I mean, we'll have to leave some little mark after us, you know. <laughs> I, make, I make a lot of pens. The whole family got pens for Christmas. I said they're dreading when they see me, you know, they'll be saying, not more pens, please. Wood Turners, and if you want to get involved, they have meetings uh, on the third Saturday every month in Toker in the community hall there, and you can get in touch with them on the Cork Wood Turners on Facebook. But talking about turning wood, Jer, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Jer Buckley. I got the impression listening to that that you take a block of wood, you put it on the lathe, and then you just get stuck in and wait and see what appears. But surely you need a plan in advance, like, and you must have something in mind before you start. Well, well, you do start out, but sometimes the wood takes in the direction that you don't want to go. You might find a defect in it, and the defect then becomes uh, the highlight of the piece. So you might start out by like for example you might be turning a piece now for a, a towel holder paper towel holder <laughs> and it just goes off in its own design sometimes what does it uh, turn into a pen <laughs> yeah it's, and sometimes you could just end up with a lot of shavings on the floor um, <laughs> but as, as you heard some of the callers saying you go off in your own world and it's fantastic relaxing you come in feel satisfied um, 
And I've been turning over 30 years uh, and I work with wood in my profession. I'll get well, to the but, profession uh, in a moment as a cooper. I mean, but in yeah. your 30 years, what are you making? Um, well, I've made uh, muddlers. Who? For example, a muddler is what a bartender uses to make a cocktail. And I've signed them, and most bartenders that have gotten them have just, behind the bar, don't want to even use it. Um, so that's one of the kind of odd things I've turned, um, and it's to muddle the drink as such. But then I've made bowls, I've, and usually most of my stuff I give away. I, I rarely even sell anything. I'm just happy to share it, turn something, and, and, and pass it on to people. So uh, usually when I visit friends' houses or relatives, I see all the pizzas they've made. So kind of, it works out that way, you know. You're going out to meet um, your buddies. You bring a bowl with you. <laughs> or a bring muddler. a bowl, yeah. Or, or something for Christmas or something for a birthday and people love it. La- you and, can, um, d- d- what, what, what other people are making? Lamps, I heard. Is it jewellery yeah, stands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the world is endless in the amount of things in turning. You would think that putting something on a lathe, it's limited. It's actually the opposite. It is just goes on and on. And I've seen people turn hats. Um, <laughs> wooden hats? To, wooden hats, where it goes down to almost two mil. So it starts out with kind of wet wood and it gets very fine and it can actually turn up the rim to look like a cowboy hat. Now, that's not something I want to turn myself, but I'm just saying... <laughs> It's endless the amount of things you can turn. And do you then have um, like a show at the end of a year or whatever, an exhibition of what you turn? We, we do. Like what we had last Saturday, we had a guest turner come down to do kind of an advanced class for everybody. Uh, we then have people who are in, this, in the society a long time who turn once a month. So we have different uh, people who turn. You might turn paper nap holders. You might turn boards. You might get a class on sharpening. Um, and the other beautiful thing about the whole thing is if you want to an issue or a problem, you have someone to ask. You can go to the meet some of the guys and they say, look, I'm struggling with this. What do I do or whatever? So that was always brilliant in that you could go and get help. But I, when I hear things like the Cork Wood Turners Guild, I think you're like yeah. a, a secret society like the Masons or something where you wouldn't share your secrets or your trade. No, it, 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 that was one of the refreshing things when I joined first because uh, being a cooper, it's very guarded secrets, whereas the wood turning, it's all about sharing knowledge. Now, you're a fifth-generation cooper, right? Your family yes, have been coopering, correct. making wooden barrels for over 200 years. Um, is it always Has it always been at the Middleton Distillery? It's been in Middleton. I started out first in North Mal Distillery. Uh, I used to go visit my dad in the watercourse distillery. Oh my God, I remember those so well. Time. I remember the smell of the watercourse distillery. Was yeah. it, was gin, wasn't it? They used to make gin, yeah. They used to make cocktail gin, um, and uh, the most of the down most of the distilling was being done down in Middleton. Even when I joined, and um, we built a new distillery down there, in 1975, as it is now. It's not new anymore. Um, but yeah, so we. I work. I've been working in Middleton now since 1990 in the Cooperage in Middleton in in uh, in the Cooperage there, and uh, most of my tools I have are going back over 100 years as well. So um, isn't that amazing? I mean, you were like I, I was looking at the I was looking at some history and research into it. There was over 500 Coopers in Cork, serving all of the breweries, all of the distilleries, and butter for the butter exchange as well. At its yeah, peak, 500, yeah. and at one stage. There was no apprentice 
coming in. It went from like a, a feast to a yeah. famine. It went to a feast to a famine. Um, basically, barrels were being used as the main transport uh, vehicle for everything from apples to whiskey to everything. And then as packaging changed over time, that changed. So butter didn't have to be going to a barrel anymore, for example. It went into a cardboard box. And, um, and the same with the breweries when they switched from oak barrels to the steel kegs. That's it, yeah. That, that devastated it. So then there was only distilleries left. Um, and then the whiskey business went through a real downturn in the 80s. So we, we don't, we've been on the downward spiral since. But then in the last couple of years, the last 10 years, we've been taking on Coopers again. Right. So I have an apprentice at the moment, Derek Cronin, who's in his four-year apprenticeship, nearly finished. And um, so we, we, we are keeping the craft going. But so you know, you know what the, the, say for instance, just honing in on the butter exchange above at the Firkin yeah. Crane. Yeah. They were Firkins, were they? A different size barrel, was it? Yes, they were Firkins. So nowadays you might hear the odd term saying a Firkin of beer. But a firkin would maybe be a 15 to 16 gallon keg as such barrel. And uh, my grandfather would have made firkins in the butter exchange. My dad often taught me, he used to watch him make, he used to make them on the streets up at the butter exchange up by Shandon. And uh, in 1850, they were making about five and a half thousand firkins a week just to export butter around the British Empire. You're joking. In Cork? Um, in Cork. And, um, no, wonder there were five, no wonder there was 500 Coopers working then. Yeah, yeah, and they had private Coopers making them as well. And um, so you had distillery Coopers or brewery Coopers and then you had private Coopers. So this involves um, bending a particular type of wood into shape and then securing yeah. it with bands of metal. Yeah, so basically uh, you work mainly with oak. And uh, you heat the wood to bend it. So you, you make your, your little cask and you put a cable on the bottom, pull in the cable and you have your shape. And then you make your hoops to fit. Uh, nowadays we use steel. Uh, one fact I always tell people is everything I'm teaching my apprentice at the moment is probably no different to Roman times. God almighty, is nothing has changed, even the tools Nothing has changed. I don't get any retraining. I don't get any new tools. I don't, nothing changes because the barrel is a cylinder and it's round, nothing has changed. Yeah, yeah. And, I think, I, yeah, and everything yeah. my dad taught me 47 years ago is what I'm teaching now. Yeah. So we've had coopering on Leeside for over, I think, a thousand years, anyway, if not longer. Yeah. Uh, like, even going back, to you talk about the butter, uh, for example, um, there was a lot of tradition and, and folklore with butter and luck attached to making butter. Um, like, to make butter, you kind of need the, the, the cream and everything to be cold. If it's hot in the middle of July, it doesn't turn into butter. Mm. So the first butter churn made would be put in a barrel and sacrificed to the bog as such. And I'm That's going back to right. Like years. it's like the angels drop with the whiskey, isn't it? Exactly. And that was to do for luck, to satisfy the fairies that we can have a luck making barrel. So you occasionally come across bog butter, um, which either was sacrificed or else it could be stored in the bog to try and maintain its life. You're joking uh, me. What kind of state would it be in? It's still usable. What? Uh, we had a chef we had a chef in there I can't think of his name there a couple of years ago and he uses two thousand year old butter uh, stop. in his cooking. Stop. Still usable, yeah. 
So um, it's a bit like there are like one or two unperishables. You're because I know honey is one. You're saying butter's another yeah. stored in a bog. In a bog, yeah. Somebody is, can use it. So that blows people's mind when you tell them, yeah, it's two thousand year old. Well, I just um, love so. I just love your story because at one stage you were the last apprentice on Lee side, and it was thirty eight years before another one came along to serve their time. That's quite alarming, actually. It needs a bit of care and attention. The trade. It does, and th- that was a goal of mine for a long time to get an apprentice in because there's nothing worse than saying, as as some of the older groups just say, we're the last of the Mohicans, we're the end of the trade, there'll be no more. And there's a lot of, in Cork in particular, we have a lot of vocabulary and tradition in our own craft that's unique to Cork, and I very much wanted to keep that alive. I but you were to saying to the lads that it was very, that that trade of yours was a very secretive one that Coopers didn't share. It was. And that was with all crafts that you were brought in and you were sworn to secrecy, not to reveal the the, uh, the, the secrets of the trade. And what Wood Turning taught me was that it's better to share. So I demonstrate coopering now all over the world um, and I share all the knowledge on it. And that has actually piqued more interest and wanting more people to come into the trade and how do I become a cooper? And yeah, you've got to share. So, otherwise it dies, right? Exactly. So, so... There's no need to hide the secrets anymore, but it is a very skillful craft. It is a four-year apprenticeship. It's not something you can do as a hobby. And, like and tell me, is is the threat then to the coopering industry on Leaside? Um, is it is it metal kegs and is it plastic vats for the whiskey or what? No, no, no it, it, it'll be always wood. It has to be all, uh, mainly oak. Now, we can use other types of wood in Ireland uh, to mature our whiskey, but like if you have a, a 21 year old or 21 year old breadbreast or Jameson that 50, 60, 70 percent of the taste is from the oak. Go you're away. practically drinking oak when you drink a really mature whiskey. So it's very important to the flavors in the whiskey, um, as it is in wine, as it is in brandy. Okay, I've got to ask you for fear that I forget where do all those half barrels that I see um, that you can buy? for planting and for the back garden and stuff. You know, you see them for sale. Were they yeah, originally yeah. barrels? They were. And and basically, I, I cut a lot of them myself on occasions. Um, we just cut some recently for Tidy Towns in Middleton. Um, and they were barrels that are spent. So we age our whiskey in barrels on three fillings, which could go maybe 30 years. Right. And then they either get sold on to our sister company in Cuba, Havana Club, or they might go to a, a Scottish distillery or something like that. Um, and if not, then they end up becoming planters. Some have become uh, have become floors. So uh, out in Douglas, their uh, flooring company in Douglas Village uh, has turned some of the barrels into beautiful floors. No, I just so wondered were they legit. Like You're saying they are legit because you know you hear everybody yeah. can buy old railway sleepers, and the cynic in me says they were never a railway sleeper. They were just fashioned yeah. like them. But I don't know whether they're legit or not. But the barrels are, are they? They are. They are correct. They are correct. And you'll get about 10 years older before, the uh, funny thing is, they, they start to rot from the inside <laughs> out. Tell me about it. <laughs> they start falling. And when they start to go, man, there's nothing you could do to stop so it. You have to replace them. Yeah, yeah. So you're the, with, what, you're the fifth generation. Is there a sixth in the family to follow you? No, I have two daughters. Um, they're <laughs> going on doing law and other things. Probably a lot more money in that. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, so maybe maybe hold on I might get a grandson or something might come into the state <laughs> in the years jump a generation so, uh, is it <laughs> jump a generation um, <laughs> and uh, 
So yeah, the like a lot of my uh, my uncle's tools, like my great uncle's tools, are from Cork Museum, um, and there was a big tradition. You're talking about gills, so there was the Cork Guild as well, Cooper's Guild, and um, and they were the old gills were about setting up for for the quality of the work you That's did. That's right, because the stonemasons did the same, didn't they? Exactly. The fantastic, exactly. talented stonemasons that we had on yeah. Lisa that built all the beautiful buildings with handcrafted stone. Yeah, and, and it was also beneficial to the members. If you were all to work, you could get a payment from the guild to sustain you until you got work again. These Unbelievable. Kind of it's a great so, story. Um, I'm delighted so it's thriving. And that. listen, what can I say about Middleton Distillery? That's flying, right? That is flying. Uh, we're in the process of uh, building a whole new plant, doubling up Middleton Distillery. Uh, the sales of Jameson are just absolutely through the roof. And all our other products like Redbreast and Middleton are just so much in demand worldwide. Uh, like in my time from when I started, things were really bad to know where the, the employment in Midland Surrey is fantastic. Uh, we're, it's growing massively all the time. So it's, uh, it's well it's a worth the visit. Employer yeah. And, uh, and yeah. um, fantastic. If you get a chance to go down and visit the visit oh, center. I've been there uh, and I'm going to be giving, and last summer we gave away family passes for tourist um, trips yeah. and I'll be doing more again. And thank you to the distillery for them because it's well worth the visit. It's a fabulous it day trip. And it's very, it's very exactly as it was when I first started. So, Fair play. You're not retiring anytime soon, I hope, you know? I have uh, about two years to go, so I'm a bit to go yet. All right, so you'll turn your, you'll turn your attention to the wood turning full-time then, will you? Yes, yes. I have my own workshop, my own lead, love it. Uh, bought some wood turning stuff uh, yesterday, actually. So uh, you never stop buying stuff as well, but um, and uh, you never stop changing. You know, I've never made this in wood turning. I think I'll try and make uh, some kind of inside-out bowl or whatever. You know, you can do so much more. And there's always something new to learn. All right, okay. And, think, um, think of me. And, uh, think of me as for a Christmas uh, gift, then, will you? Something you turned on the old lathe. I might send you in something maybe from the coopering side. All right, okay, bring it on. Don't be a stranger and lovely chatting with you. I just love talking lovely. about old cork trades and the coopers were so and are so important. Nice talking to the master cooper nice at Middleton Distillery. Take care, Jer. Thank you so much. Ed. Cheers, Bye. my man. There he is, a great cork character. Don't you love the cork characters and the cork stories? The great Jer Buckley. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I'll be returning again to some of the cork characters that we were talking about on Side, and I know that we posted on Facebook um, literally the question what Cork character should have the landmark bridge the pedestrian bridge over the South Ring named after them um, can I just say it's, a, it's kind of like a quick summary before I drill into it further um, one of the ones that jumped off the page for me is the amount of people who were saying Katrina Toomey um, she deserves a street, not just a bridge, because she does more for the people of Cork than anyone. Another one, it's, it's closely followed, actually, by Roy Keane. And then a character known as Dancing Dave. Um, other ones include many people suggesting nobody's name whatsoever, just Cork, Cork's Rebel Bridge, uh, and words like that. But I'll drill into the list, actually, a little later on this morning. Drill in, there's another one for the bingo game for you. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And this year's show has been giving away tickets all week for Live at the Marquee. Won't be long now. We've already given tickets away for the Frames, the Waterboys, Tommy Tiernan, 
Dublin. You got a double whammy this morning. Ollie Murs and Bell X1. Two gigs in early June. So we have pairs of tickets to give away for that just before midday today. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So some more shout outs for you. You got about 20 minutes to text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. Good morning to Joe and all the lads in Modern Tires on the South Link Road and over across the river to Northside Tires on the Old Mallow Road to RPC Haulages in Granada, working hard. Michael O'Driscoll Motors in Inniscarra are hungry. AP on recycling and tower, always hungry. Quinlan's Motor Factors and Dennehy's Cross are listening. Tails and Tubs Dog Grooming at Douglas Woolen Mills are always tuned in. NSD Account Management are listening this morning. So is everybody at PFH and Little Island. Everyone at the Middleton Credit Union, including the two Carolines, Jackie and Laura. Striker in Carrick Tool are listening. Tough week for Striker this week. TPN Cork Independent Express in Little Island could do with a pick me up. Everybody at the Cope uh, Foundation on the Cork Road in Middleton. Morning to Alan, to the staff at Scanlon's uh, Pharmacy in Ballonine, Knights Hill Medical Centre, morning Cassie West Cork, uh, West Building Products in Carrigaline would love lunch, morning to Mary Patients Admissions and Accounts Department of the South Infirmary, Jenkinson's Logistics in Little Island, Hungry Bunch Another few for you. Area carpets and flooring. They're working up on Amazon at the moment. Hennessy Hair and Beauty are listening. Lots of texts from Stryker. Morning to Brian. They said they've had a hard week at Stryker this week. Yes, indeed. And listen again. Our thoughts are with the two injured uh, colleagues. I'm Chloe from Blarney Castle and Gardens. Uh, looking forward to the summer season. They'd like some feeding. The Elm Tree in Glanton. Great restaurant and bar. Morning to them. Karen and everybody at the pharmacy department at the South Infirmary Victoria. Declan and the lads at Hurley Modular Homes in Glanmire. Tesco and Balancolic, the home delivery drivers. Keita Products and the porters at the South Infirmary. Morning to Brendan. We'll do one more bunch of shout outs in about 20 minutes time. Lads. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 86 810 4106 Red FM. Morning all. What Cork characters should have the landmark named after them? The new pedestrian bridge over the South Ring. Everybody's engaging in that. I shared a lovely photograph of it with Vernamount in the background on my own Instagram page and I'm asking people there what they think it should be named after. Eilish Tabara. Actually, let me bring in Liam O'Higgin, the Cork historian on this before I read this list because he's got another interpretation as to what should happen with it. Liam, good morning. Morning, mate. Ha, a, I'm good, man. I'm good. Have a listen to this. Here's some of the ones we got on Facebook. Eilish uh, Tabara, the great Cork storyteller. Catty Barry, the Cork Rebel Bridge, full stop, they're saying. Cara O'Sullivan, Joe Lynch, Michael Collins, he already got a bridge. Bill O'Connell needs it named after him. Frank O'Connor all day long. Seamus Murphy, the sculptor. Andy Gaw. Um, Michael O'Regan Pathway a proper Cork legend Rory Gallagher we never did justice to him properly call it the South Ring Footbridge boring Cha and Maya Bridge Peg Toomey the Bernie Murphy Bridge Bill O'Connell Killian Murphy just another few Mary Crilly the Andy Gaw Bridge the Langer Bridge somebody else said the Langer Dan Bridge uh, um, Little Nelly of Holy God Bridge um, uh, and another one suggesting that it's just another waste of millions of euro what do you make it that lot anyway as an example very good all very famous people but I have only one name in my mind and that's Ronnie Hellhead ok you're not on a speaker phone there are you Liam no I am actually yeah I'm sorry I always turn if you don't mind because it's very Ronnie hard Ronnie would be my number one the late and great Cork historian, Ronnie Hurlihy, and a Southsider himself. Correct, correct. I, now, there are a lot of people, obviously, you have the Dunn brothers that used to play the music outside. The fiddle and banjo, yeah. 
Ja, 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 ja. 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 Jo, øhm, Tommy Phillips hosted the No, do, do they have to be dead? Uh, I think somebody said to me in a text, actually, it might have been on my Instagram page, I'm not sure, that you have to be at least 20 years dead before you can have anything named after you. I don't know how true that is. I don't do, I don't know, I'll be honest with you. But you're, anyway, Ronnie will be my number one. And um, yeah, another, what about P- Mr. Piper? Kinsale? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe if, if Kinsale get a footbridge, maybe they'll name it after the Pipers down there. <laughs> no, I mean, in fairness, no, he was a very famous man in our city. Down through the, well, his father, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he has to be deadly, so that would be another one of mine. But um, Kieran McCarthy, then, who was another great historian. But Kieran is still alive, thank yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so, oh, there are loads of people, there are loads of people, lots of them, you see. There, there, there are people are still alive and you wouldn't like to be... You know, everyone is not famous. They're only famous as some people. Yeah, but there like was the, some seriously heavy hitters, like Seamus Murphy, the sculptor, Frank O'Connor, the, right. the writer, for instance, you know? Chan, yeah, Maya, yeah. They, they never got a look in or anything. Bernie, Murphy never got a bridge. You know, like the list is endless. You know, how would you pick? Endless. And they go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yours for a bob. Mary Bowles. Okay, talk to me a little bit about the characters that you remember them back in the day. I have yet, would you believe now I have yet have them in front of me here? <laughs> you have Rusty Khan, <laughs> who had a shop out in the lock. What was <laughs> he selling old stuff, is it? Rusty stuff. Rusty. All can stuff, and the, all the cans were all rusty, and he was a carry by himself, and he always had a first can on him, you know? All right. Please. <laughs> That's what they're christened in Rusty Kine. Um There was a shop then in Henry Street, in Moore Street, there, the back of the Mercy Hospital, um, Dooney Donnie's. <laughs> there was a small little woman, a Dooney, a Dooney. Hope Mrs. O'Brien was her name, but we know what it is, uh, Dooney Donnie. You have Jackie the Bell. Jackie the Bell. Uh, Balls Twine. Leather Dick, he was make, he was make... What? Uh, Leather Dick? Yeah, he was make slitters for the bears. <laughs> Lived up around the Gunpowder Lane there. Tony Murphy, who was top pocket. We spoke about him yesterday with the penny. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew <laughs> Egan. Andrew, Andrew, Andy Gar. Yeah. Holy Joe. What was, the uh, int- what was, Holy, what was Holy Joe all about? Because I hear of him all of the time. I, I met Andy Gar as a child, but Holy Joe, what was the story there? Uh, he, he, you know, we were young at the time. We've been mocking him and everything. He'd be walking around and he'd have a gallon. And, you know... I'd rather not speak <laughs> A gallon? No, you know, the gallon with that for holding the gallon of milk or the gallon one of her. A tin gallon, like. Holy Joe. <laughs> Holy. Um, and if, if you crossed over him, he'd be blessing himself. Oh, that was the reason him. why, yeah, yeah. blessing so, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that used to encourage us to start trophy wives into him and all that business just to. As just kids to get did back in the day, tormenting you know, him, yeah. Young, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, the rancher. Is he north? Is he north side or south side or city centre? North side, Dominic Street. He saw blocks, didn't he? He did. He did. He did. And he'd stand up. He'd, he'd <laughs> actually he wrote a poem. I actually pretty know. I didn't think of that because he wrote a poem there about um, the north siders that they never voted for him, and he cost them. And he was on about um, the Glen winning ten in a row. <laughs> 
op de bærsen efter glæden en rallafrikning. Tarantula. Tarantula. Did he have a whistle? Did he whistle as well, Rosie Joe? All the kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you whistle, all the women. That's right. You have Klondike and the fellow who got the ladies, Tyler and Lavitsky. That's right. Yeah, Klondike. Um, Molly Owens up there in Shandler Street she played tar- uh, tar- bells and all that kind of stuff if Dev was coming to town um, <laughs> Sheila Joyce is still alive um, not a man here no, kind of appropriate really the Long Valley Humphrey Minehunt oh Humphrey on the bike yeah 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 um, and Jack he was a fellow who striped um, Jack was his name again. He was from 90th Street. He was to uh, drive the ambulance for the Union, the St. Finbar's Hospital. So they called him Union Jack. <laughs> the referee, Nedzer Cotter, he was very famous in the South Side. <laughs> Pat the Pickett? What about Pat the Pickett? I have Pat the Pickett as well. Sorry, I won't interrupt. Carry on. <laughs> Shut up. I have the Golden Boy, Paulo Donovan. That's right. He was a busy <laughs> worked on the buses, didn't he? He was down in Parnell Place, I think, wasn't he? Uh. I'm not sure about that. I think Hold it. Who, who are you talking about, man? The Golden Boy. No? The Golden Boy was a soccer player with the Cox Celtic. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm confusing them. Okay, okay. Carry on. Uh, Carry on. He, he, he had a pub in um, Pope's Key as well. But, um, born drunk. <laughs> the singing fire. <laughs> the singing fire, man, was another great character. Born drunk. God. <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about the singing fire man I know I'm still back with born drunk <laughs> carry on what <laughs> about murder the loaf <laughs> <laughs> why was he called that <laughs> He's, he was a doctor actually and seemingly he said one day I saw somebody now I didn't murder the loaf for bread <laughs> so therefore I just didn't murder the loaf <laughs> I'd say the dockers had great nicknames you know yeah, back in the day they had of course Bill Zamasco, did you ever hear of Bill Zamasco? I don't know what his real name was now, but if you, if you were speaking to him and I said, uh, well, well, I don't know Bill Zamasco, I don't know Bill Zamasco. There's only Shandon Bills, right? There's only Shandon Bills. But he was known as Bill Zamasco. Mugs of Water, Molly the Cats, Mad Money, China Doll, Dom Dom. Dom Dom. The Phantom. Oh, Handsome, is that what you said? Handsome. The Phantom. Oh, the, the Phantom. Phantom. <laughs> the Phantom. He was he, he was a fierce man around the fifties. We were all afraid of our life for him. He was going around with a, a trench coat and a pair of rubber dollies. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be afraid to be out in the dark in case you met the Phantom. Yeah, questionable fashion style. Yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Joe's <laughs> Joe's 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 Here's my bikes. <laughs> up to my dike. You'll be going up to the match and she said, "Put your bike there, and I'll mind for you." And so he'd have a, a, a couple of hundred bikes and so when you come out, he was gone. Bill me must be. You'd pay, him, you'd pay him to mind the bikes and he'd just leg it. Oh, you, oh, you have to give me a few coppers, a few coppers. I mean, truppins was an awful lot of money. I'm going back to the 50s. Um, sure, Bernie Murphy, in fairness, was around up until the 90s, wasn't he? Who? Bernie. Oh, he was, he was, he was, he was. He was. I said Bernie was famous. I mean... 
Gurney was a very famous character altogether. Yeah, yeah. Went to San Francisco, got his new teeth, got elected yeah, to Cork yeah, City no, Council. Yeah, yeah, his patch yeah. was the South yeah. Mall, wasn't it? Yeah, you could find Gurney anyway. No, well, I used to meet him outside St. Augustine's Shops on Sunday morning. And, you know, very educated man. Um, oh, great man uh, to uh, chat uh, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. All right, carry um, on, carry on. Charlie Chassie, Tony Gleeson. Charlie. He, used, um, he lived in the lock. Charlie Chassie. <laughs> Mackie Gumboy. He would go around collecting waste from the, he was from the north side. Uh, I think through Blarney Street, Blarney Road. He did, uh, with, um, collecting waste for the pigs and all that business. <laughs> Pat the Pickett. I can't think of Pat the Pickett's name. <laughs> you have me. Yeah. I, I should know it. I can't remember. My apologies to his family. I'm sure I'm not far from where I live in myself. Yeah, uh, top of the me. egg. Who? Top of the egg. Top of the egg. That was, he was another doctor. Why was um, he called Top of the Egg? <laughs> he said he's get his wife to take the top off the egg for him in the mornings. <laughs> and did she do that, yeah? Oh, I don't know, but there's just no Top of the Egg on here. <laughs> Well, and uh, another, 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 bo- another, um, that for them was Buddy the Hatchers. Buddy <laughs> the Hatchers. No. Pat, Pat, the pickets name was Pat Allen, wasn't it? Pat Allen, correct. <laughs> You're on the boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you? didn't think of that, no, or I yourself. So I'm talking. Dr. Google, would you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind, I but I, I knew him well. Sorry for the brain freeze. Go on. I, I did too, I did too, sir. I did just couldn't think. When you read my ears now, you'll, you'll forget all the names. Eh? <laughs> 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 Thank you. No, there was, a, there was another famous man there. He lived in Havocan's buildings, Small Connie. He was the oldest messenger by in Cork, and he walked in. He walked in the shoe shop down in Patrick Street at the corner of um, Drawbridge Street. Do you have a bike? And he did. He did. He did. And he'd be cleaning the windows and everything. I think Tony Fitzgerald was his name. Again, the youngsters wouldn't know anything about him. Yeah. Oh, well, um, a lot of these are from 50, 60 years ago, at least. Are there more? More. <laughs> don't be telling them. Don't be telling them my ears, will you? <laughs> Go on. Have you many more of them? I have Bumper Mannix. He lived in Greenmount, and he was a very nice guy. But give him a few points in the Saturday night, and if you're speaking to Newton, you know where you are. But he'd give a bump into the father. <laughs> um, he was a nice character. Right? In fairness, no, the bunch of stayed all of his way. Like. Um, <laughs> he was a nice fellow, unless he gave you a headbutt. <laughs> yeah. Mamie Trush. Anyone around Paris Street would remember Mamie Trush. She lived in um, she lived in Fourth Street, and there was a little there was a, a, a row of cottages in there, Gillyhoo Cottages, and she was anti um, IRA and all that business. She was, she, you know, uh, Eastern Old she threw up a union jack across the entrance to the into the, the, the row of cottages, and of course, there's youngsters. We'd be bashing over with studs and with stones and everything and she'd give us cheers. What, about, was what about Balls of Flower, the docker? Balls of Flower. Ferdor Flynn. Ferdor Flynn. Yeah. yeah. Another fellow. Yeah. Jo- well, Mother Jones is famous, as you know. Yeah. Taking on the unions. She was a after Mary Ellen's, but then they have Piper's Millies and... Um, Catty Barry, they're, they're, they're going to try and get a, a statue of Catty Barry in the court here. Yeah? yeah, well, she's on the list oh. as well, I have. Okay, there was a, there was another few. Obviously, you listed about 80 of them. I just mentioned there, you probably didn't hear me, Balls of Flower, the Docker. 
yeah. Why did he get, why was he nicknamed Balls of Flour? Did he eat a lot of spuds? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, he was talking one day about his wife doing his dinner and my daughter, she gave me a dinner. They said, and the spuds were like balls of flour. And that was it. It stuck thereafter. That was it. It stuck to him after that. So they, were, they, they all had nicknames down the docks. <laughs> Did you know Christopher Poins at all? He's been no. around the city centre. He was an, indivi- an interesting individual. I think he was English originally. He could have been aristocracy. May have fought right. in the First World War and people think that he might have suffered from some kind of shell shock, but he would always be around the city when I was a young fellow and a teenager. Christopher was his name. He used to call himself yeah, the Duke of... Yeah, he up and down outside Roger stores. Correct, and he'd be up and down the Grand Parade an that's awful lot right. as well. That's right, yeah, yeah. And there was another fellow called Trampus, talking about people talking about Trampus. Yeah, he, he was a call by that used to be, and, uh, and uh, that was Ronnie Poor was his name. <laughs> How do you know? How do you know all this stuff before I let you go? Because I made it, Joseph is. <laughs> Could you ever send me on that list for posterity so it doesn't get lost? I will, of course. I will, of course. Right, Actually, you know who I gave that list to know recently? I've McCarthy there. Linda Kenny does a show down in Douglas Library the first Wednesday of every month. Yeah. And I gave it to Alf and he called a lot of them there one morning. Oh, I think I saw a picture of you in the paper with Alf during the week, did I? I didn't see it. Well, you were, in, you were picture. You were pictured with someone. You might remember. You might remember all of the people who were born and raised with nicknames over the last eighty years. But you were in the paper this week, and you didn't even know it. Come here. You're on the papers obviously by you. Ah, good answer. Good answer. Mind yourself, Liam. Have a great weekend, and thanks for all of that. Cheers, pal. I hope just my own personal. I'd love to hear uh, his name being put on that bridge. We'll have to wait and see. It's the public of Cork and vote, and I'll tell them how they can do it again in a few minutes' time. Cheers, Liam. Take care of yourself, my friend. (laughs) Before you go, before you go, are you still there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Listen, I'm giving a walk tonight in St. Joseph's Cemetery at 7 o'clock. All welcome. Oh, my God. Gather outside the front gate. Correct. Seven o'clock, St. Joseph no. Cemetery. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was supposed to be half a seven, but there's a soccer match in Tunnels, so I saw him after putting it forward to seven o'clock. Okay, all right, so that's in Balafian. I'd be there at seven o'clock, except I'm going to Damien Dempsey in Cypress Avenue tonight, so otherwise I'd be there with you, but have a good one. Have a good one. But should listen, from now on, first Wednesday of every month, I'll be giving one outside, meet outside the gate. That will be later on after tonight's one. Okay, right? well, come back and remind me of that, and we'll give it a good push for you, all right? Okay, Take care, my man, the great man himself. Thank you so much, Liam Mohegan, the Cork historian. Uh, you want to get involved in that conversation, text 0868104106. Just a quick couple of quick calls this side of an ad break because Anthony on the College Road. Bing, there's another one for your bingo list. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm what well. a very interesting man. Isn't he incredible that he has all of that knowledge? He's a character himself and he oh, doesn't know it. Yeah, he's brilliant. The great, the great Liam O'Higgin. So, have you a few for us that lived in and around? Where, where, where did you grow up? Bandon Road, and when I heard you mentioning Yuhu this morning, well, I can tell you now, Yuhu was in her 60s, as I remember as a child, but unfortunately she lived near to the back entrance to Greenmount School. And if we were bored as children, we'd say, well, we'll go up to Yuhu, and I tell you something, Sonia Sullivan wouldn't have a patch in her, the chase you'd get off her. And she fell for it every time. How did she, she wind her up like that? What would you do? Just say, just 
you and she'd come flying out the door and come flying after you like a road runner wouldn't have a patch on her. Well, I suppose we kept her face anyway. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> she was demented just, by the kids in the parish. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> she was tormented, the poor woman. Would I think back on it now? But we thought, that's ah, boring. We'll, we'll go up to Yoo-hoo and get a chase. <laughs> All right. And it was, it was great fun. And then when you mentioned Trampus, my uh, granddad, my mother's aunt, had Silas Pub out in Fort Hill. Right. And when you mentioned Trampus, Trampus used to come to Sela every night and she'd give him his dinner. He didn't drink. And she even offered him like a bedroom he could stay with her. Like she was married, but she married late in life and she didn't have a family. Where did he but live? Under the bridge. Go away, really? And he'd go back under the bridge again. For years? Yeah. Yeah. And why would he, he turn down? Why would he turn down a bed? I wonder. Was it just because he, he liked? He, did he like where he was, or what? I don't know. It's just. It's just mysterious. And she herself, Sila. People will remember Sila's pub and fortune. She was a character in herself. She was totally eccentric. I told you before. Like she didn't. She didn't take any prisoners and. If she was around today with the Woke Society and the PC Brigade, she wouldn't survive at all because <laughs> a guy came back to the pub and it was in the mid-50s, I think, and he was living in England and he came back and he ordered a pint. And he said, I see, Sheila, you still have the thick glasses. And she said, indeed I do, for thick people. <laughs> she had an answer for everyone. <laughs> and she'd put her hat on then and she'd go out in the garden and she'd pick whatever flowers were there and put them up in her hat. And she went to Mass one time, my mother and father were telling me. <laughs> and she was sitting next to my mother and father. And she picked, you know, the little crab apples. Yep. She picked two of them and put them on her hat. And in the middle of Mass, there was a child sitting behind her and grabbed one of the crab apples off her hat. <laughs> And she just smirked and didn't take any notice. And that was it. And then she had another customer. He was, well, we'll say, intellectually challenged. And I suppose it was very unfair. Like, you wouldn't get away with it today. And she said, Paddy, look at Paddy there. Paddy is highly illiterate, aren't you, Paddy? Indeed I am, Sheila. He thought that she was saying that you're highly intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, yeah. I am, and he fell for it every time. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. that was she mocking, was just, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know, but she didn't mean any badness in it. And my mother, she was like a second mother to my late mother. And my mother just used to love going out, helping her, and working with her in the pub, and helping out behind the bar. Happy and days, happy you know, days. you who and you Trumpus know, and your auntie Celia. All right, let me get some more calls on the way because I'm going to run rapidly out of time. Have a great weekend, Anthony Mihaw. Good morning. Hello, uh, Neil. Slobby Just Malone. The, Slobby Malone. Yes, I don't think it was mentioned by Mister Higgins, was he? No, I don't think so. Yeah, but, but that's okay. We got through a lot. So who was Slobby Malone? Well, he was. He, there was a family of them there. You know, a few of them, and they used to be going round together all together. But they used to be standing outside the opera house minding the cars, you know, while the gentry used to be inside and they used to come out and, uh, you know, 
But um, one time, uh, one of the gentlemen came out and uh, Slobby said he was minding his car and could he give him a, a few uh, bob? And uh, the, gen the gent said, um, oh, Slobby, uh, he said, um, neither a, a borrower nor a lender be. And he, he finished by saying Shakespeare. And so Slobby looked at him and he said, um, F off, Slobby Miller. <laughs> you know? <laughs> As for uh, Rosie, that used to, she, he used to stand out last, outside Lester's chemist, which was next to the Savoy, and he used to, he was an ex-soldier from the soldiers' home up in Shanakeel, and um, he was, he had a wonderful whistle, all right, you know. He, he, he'd steal a kiss off the ladies though and whistled as they passed by he would yeah you he, wouldn't he, be getting away with that kind of carry on now either certainly not no no, no. <laughs> alright uh, he was a bit like that comedian um, British comedian Charlie Drake have you ever heard of him though to me but uh, I Charlie can Drake, uh, yeah. I uh -huh. can picture the reaction women would give a fellow now on Patrick Street behaving like that oh, thanks me Hall we're back after the break lads here's a quick one I think it would be very fitting to name the bridge in linking Tremor Valley Park to Mount Vernon after uh, Charles J. Daly of the 2nd Battalion of the, far, the 1st Cork Brigade of the IRA. So we get all sorts of people uh, nominating uh, this morning. And there's a funny one, actually, which is... Uh, oh, I was there a second ago. Where's the one about the fellow who was, uh, who was called Con? An interesting text there a second ago. Uh, there it is. Speaking about great Cork nicknames, there was a guy called Con Carney. Uh, and he's a son, who I'm assuming was also called Con Carney. So the senior was called Con Carney and the son was known as Chili Con Carney. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. All right, uh, some more Cork characters by text. Um, there used to be a man living in a Ford's box in the 70s at the Water's Eggs edge by the Red Bridge um, that's still there the Red Bridge actually walk over now um, below by Besbra before anything was developed down there living in a Ford's box even though I'm a Nari my nan lived in Black Rock I'm wondering is it the same guy as this Charlie Boggs character anyone from Black Rock or Ballinor will remember this man that lived down by the Red Bridge I think his name was Christy um, if I'm right I think you're actually describing Paddy Elvis and he had a cart as well that he pulled with two long arms on it and collected bric-a-brac and you'd often see him around Black Rock and Beaumont and Ballon Temple and that kind of area. Now, it could be we're getting the name wrong, but I think you're describing Paddy Elvis. Uh, when talking about characters, we have a rancher in Middleton. Uh, you should give him a mention. All the kids flock round him. He's still alive today. He used to work in Royal Carpets for a bit. Lovely guy. The guy you were talking about with the penny was Donnie Murphy. <clears throat> he was brought on the Late Late Show to show how the trick was done. The 50 penny piece would go over his shoulder and he'd flick it off his heel and back into his top pocket. We used to slag Donny as he used to call to our house and the stories he'd tell you would make the stones laugh. We used to slag him and say, Donny, uh, you were well looked after by RTE because all he got was the 50 pence to keep for going on the Late Late Show and nothing else. Um, many people then talking about the likes of Chai and Maya and how funny they were, and they were. And then one final text on this, uh, somebody looking for a name. Do you remember the Duke in the 80s and 90s? He'd be walking around Cork City streets with a long trench coat and slacks with basketball-style boots saying things like, I know you. You were a Jerry during the war. You tortured me in the camps. He was a character, Neil, and there was another old guy with a big red nose who used to cycle a Triumph 20, beeping his little hooter all day long. Anyone know his names? Well, when you talk about the Duke, uh, I do remember the Duke, not just from the 80s, but indeed from the 1970s. His name was Christopher Poins. He used to call himself the Duke 
of Battenberg. Right, phone lines are open, lads, and we're going to be giving away some great gifts now in a few minutes' time for Live of the Marquee and also our Free Food Friday winners for uh, Roosters Piri Piri. So the last bunch of shout-outs now. Uh, and this will feed 15, perhaps more of you, courtesy of uh, Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. To everybody at Little Island Transport and Carrick Tool who are listening this morning. To Building Stone in Dripsy. To Candellan Construction in the CUH. Um, to uh, Drina National School. Unique fit-outs in Glanmire. Orchid Centre in the CUH are listening. Sports Gear Direct. Would love a good feed on a Friday for the weekend. EPH Controls. Toss Burns in Formoy. O'Sullivan's Pharmacy on Grange Road. Everybody at Crazy Monkey Skate Shop in Douglas. Uh, CQ Business Systems in Wilton, Foley's Plumbing and Toker would share it with the neighbours at Pat Kelleher Plumbing if there was some left over, James Byrne and Company in Blackpool and just two more, Southern Pumps in Dublin Hill and Aqua Box Systems uh, in Dublin Hill as well. So we'll pick a winner for Free Food Friday in about five or ten minutes time. Uh, also I'll be opening the phone lines to finish for Ollie Morris tickets and Bellex One tickets for live at the Marquee. Right, to the phone lines we go and what I don't do today I will pick up on Monday. Tony, good morning. Morning, Neil. All right, so you're talking about Cork's number one cattle driver. What's a cattle driver? Yeah. A drover. A drover, yeah, okay, I know drover. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, he was known as the drummer boy. I think Riley was his surname. But uh, he was some character to listen to. And where was he and from? I think it was Lower Family. Blackpool way anyway. Okay, okay. Um, because because cattle did go through those areas, going to and from. Uh, a lot of the time they were going down to the docks, sometimes they were going to abattoirs. Is that what he did? Yeah, but he was afraid of his life of cattle. <laughs> <laughs> the Hogan's, you know, the builders and cattle dealers, the father, uh, I don't know whether this is legend or what, but he was supposed to have made an order that any head of cattle going out of Cork, the drummer would have to be there and he gets some sort of drop, say, for it, you know? A few bob. Well, do you have, did he have drums with him? No. Why no, was he called I the drummer know. boy? Don't ask me. I don't know. <laughs> That's what he was known as, but... I remember being inside in the Greyhound Bell on Corbuck Street one night and he came in. He was a field regular in there and he was telling a story that he was coming down by Dylan's Cross and he see this woman, as he said, in great distress. So he went over to him and he said, uh, Madam, can the drummer be of any assistance to you? The drummer. And she said, it's my little doggy. He's after getting a smack of a cow. So he says, could I see him? So she brought him out to the back of the house and the dog was limping around and he asked the woman and uh, for two bits of timber and he sorted out the dog and the following week he called back to see how the dog was doing. So see, and I went out to the back of the house and the dog was flying around on the crutches I made for him. <laughs> <laughs> the drummer boy. I love it. Can the drummer be of but any the, assistance? <laughs> but there was one other character that... I was very young when he was around now. He was known as uh, Belzamosco. Belzamosco was, was mentioned by Liam O'Higgin, yeah. yeah. Was he? Yeah. What did you when know about him? All I remember is him walking around the north side, Calista Road, knowing that, and with a long coat and a hat, uh, a constant bush in his mouth and a shopping bag, and just chanting this all the time facts facts bells of Moscow he kept on saying that facts facts bells of Moscow 
Yeah, they're uh, often wondering what became of him. Yeah, I know. I, I believe know. the family moved to England and they took him with them. All right, okay, okay. So, All right, I, thanks for that. I, I often wonder whether or not actually the people we're talking about actually were, you know, needed a bit of help really in the psychiatric department, the misfortunes back in the day. This is serious though, because Tomas just sent me a quick text there about um, Charles J. Daly from the First Cork Brigade of the IRA back in the day. There is a connection apparently to Vernon Mount. Tomas, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Any chance you could give me the edited version of the story, if you don't mind? Yeah, I suppose. Um Charles J. Daly would have been adjutant of the 2nd Battalion and on the 27th of June 1921 he was involved in an IRA headquarters meeting um, out in Waterfall. In O'Shea's pub in Waterfall, yeah. With Leo Murphy, um, which was surrounded by British Army troops. He was taken up to Victoria Barracks where he was... uh, beaten and tortured and beaten to death. Collins Barracks now. The British took daily to the barracks, yeah? They took daily to the barracks and he was brought out and dumped either in a field or just by the roadside at the entrance to uh, Mount Vernon. Really? He was yeah. tortured to death? Yeah, well, the, in the inquest after the coroner's report said that he had six bullet wounds, uh, five bayonet wounds, a broken eye socket, a crushed skull, fractured ribs, broken fingers, broken arms, and broken tibia and fibula. What a shocking death. Yeah. So I, I was... Um, and the body own, then yeah. dumped at the entrance to Vernon Mount? It was dumped at the entrance, and the British Army tried to give the excuse that they brought that he brought them out there to show him an arms dump, and that he tried to escape and that he was shot trying to escape. Lies, yeah. yeah. All lies. All but, lies. But yeah, yeah the, in the coroner's report, it said all the wounds and stuff like that had been inflicted before his death, so he was beaten um, before he was actually brought there. And that was the end of that, was he buried then? Would he gone to the Republican plot or anything like that? Yeah, he's inside the Republican plot and then came back in the And did he, I mean, he, he, was, he was fighting for the freedom of Ireland. Did he hold down a job or anything in Cork at the time? Um, he worked with the gas company. I don't know what position. On the South Mall, was it? Uh, I wouldn't know what, what what his employment would be. I just know that he worked with the gas company. Um, so he was over 31 years of age, so would have been employed. Isn't that tragic, isn't it? So you would say that the bridge should be named after Charles J. Daly? I, I think it would be very fitting. Um, it is, he's probably the most connected to that area. Um, there is no, no memorial for him. Um, on the spot because the bridge would be a very fitting memorial. Good man yourself. We remember him this morning. Thank you for that, Tomas. Thank you so, so much. What I don't get to this morning, we'll pick up on Monday, but what I do need to get to now is tickets for Live at the Marquee. So, uh, of course, it will kick off and, you know, hopefully we'll even have some more announcements and additions onto it. I don't know whether it's a finished deal as of yet, but certainly we have Ollie Moore's tickets. They play, or Ollie Moore's plays on the 9th of June and Bellex one, they play on the 10th of June. So we have pairs of tickets for both those gigs now. Only call if you can go. Only call if you're fans of either Ollie Moore's or Bellex One. So get dialing for those on 0818 104 106. Get stuck in. Get dialing. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. It's Friday, so I just want to do this because it won't hold till Monday. But Shakespeare is celebrating a big birthday this weekend. He... (laughs) 
He will be 459 years old this weekend and ahead of the birthday for the laugh of it, Seamus took to the streets to speak to the people of Cork about their famous favourite Shakespeare quotes. Find out if anybody could actually quote anything from Shakespeare or whether or not everybody would say the same thing, neither a lender nor a borrower be. So while we were out there as well, we decided to throw in a few modern day movie and TV quotes just to see how sharp you guys were on that. Have an aged. But I do have a favorite uh, Shakespeare play, uh, Taming of the Shrew, because I think he writes so weird about the characters that they could be portrayed both modern and back in the day. He's just such an eloquent way of describing them. I don't think anyone calls him a shrew anymore. I'm with her on the Taming of the Shrew. The same, same goes for how he's written them. Just just kind of weird how he portrays the characters in that kind of sense and what about a favourite quote there's there's lots of like the cliche ones isn't it yeah to be or not to be is it that is the question yes that is the question but what is the answer oh god that's a good one I don't know do you know no I don't know what the answer is (laughs) oh god be what you want to be you put me on the spot now and I can't remember anything probably like murder from Macbeth or something that's all I can remember (laughs) Shakespeare. Oh, I don't know if I've read much, much Shakespeare now, to be honest. But would you not remember it from school, no? Nah, it's just school. School. I wasn't the best writers now in school, to be honest. It's too much to do about nothing for Shakespeare with you, is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's the quote that I'd stick with, all right. That's the one. I don't actually like poetry, so I don't like Shakespeare. He's a Tudor propagandist. These are just a few quotes from uh, movies and TV series. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Would you know what that was from? Put him in the car. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what it's about. Is that a movie? It is. <laughs> Patrick Swayze is in it. Patrick Swayze, let me think. Oh, that's Grease, no? Grease Lightning or... Oh, God, no. Oh. It doesn't ring a bell, actually. Dirty Dancing? Dirty Dancing, yeah. That's Dirty Dancing, yeah. yeah. I thought she was asking me was it in Shakespeare. I was like, yeah. oh, that's Dirty Dancing. Frankly, my dear, don't give a damn. Oh, Gone with the Wind. What I say? Gone with the Wind, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I can't get it. Gone wind. with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Um, you do a good impression of an animal. <laughs> it rings a bell, though, all right, to be honest. Um, no. Last there again, now I am. Scarlett O'Hara and Rhett Butler from Gone with the Wind. That's it. You're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Oh, God. I don't know. Yeah, I could do with a bigger boat, all right. Um, No idea. I never heard of that one ever. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad. That'd be from Joe's. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Oh, gangster movie, right? I think. Oh, I'm so bad at that. No, I don't know. That's my song anyway. I know, I know it's the lines of a song. You're going to make him an offer he can't refuse. 
how much? <laughs> how much is the offer? <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. Oh, that's from is it the, the, the Apollo? Apollo? Yeah. Apollo movie, yeah. That's Apollo nine, uh, nine, is it? Oh. We'll give you that one. That's like from a war film. No, it is. I think Houston, we have a problem. Um, very well here Apollo something? Apollo 13 or something? Yeah, we've got one at least. Ooh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. This time next year, we'll be millionaires. It sounds familiar. Oh, well, you know, we can always dream, man. We can always dream about millionaires, but sure look. You know, um, let me think. Mm. Nah, no, say it again. This, t- this, this time, time next, next year, we'll be millionaires. millionaires. Oh, I don't know. No idea. Sounds like um, some frozen horses. That's it. Oh my God, they killed Kenny. That's. Uh, yeah, it is. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I was not prepared to be put on the spot, obviously. Oh, um, South Park, isn't it? That about one I do remember. I think you say that all the time. I do, and I probably do, yeah. And let's be careful out there. Do you have any idea on that one? I don't. Let's be careful. I feel like it's... All I keep hearing is, like, careful now from Father Ted when they're just doing a protest outside the old, like, theatre. Oh, that's his three blows. You should know that one now. Let's be careful out there. Nah, never heard of it, to be honest. Street blues. It's an old one, though. It is. I used to watch it every night. It is. An old one, all right. Obviously, you had an impression on you. Definitely. We'll be half a tone. He'd come in and turn on it and put on the football. The truth is out there. The truth is out there. Scientific conversation. Joke me on that one. The truth is out there. Do you know what that is? Oh, I know the music to it, but I can't. Uh, I I actually can picture the the thing. I remember watching it all the time, but I can't. See, it's I know. It's a Twilight Zone, isn't it? Don't mention the war. Uh, I don't know that one, no. Black Adam? Oh, that's a... Oh, fuck it all. Don't mention the war. Oh, um, what's his name? Oh, that's the Spanish guy uh, from Barcelona, the waiter. I'm uh, sure he wouldn't know anything, would he? <laughs> Manuel. So, what was the name of that? Um, oh, what was the name of that? Jesus, come on, it's turning one of my favourite shows. Forty Towers. Forty Towers. We didn't win anything, so do we? <laughs> no, must try. Must try a lot harder. Anyway, I love that one. Don't mention the war. I mentioned it once and I think I got away with it from the great Basil Faulty. Okay, anything that we run out of time with now, as I will, I'll pick up on Monday, including our bingo game. Um, I've got a prize for this, actually. All of these sayings, apparently, that apparently I repeat an awful lot of. They've put them on a big bingo card. You can knock them all off and whoever gets a complete house wins a 150 euro voucher for Jono's in Douglas. So we'll have more on that on Monday. But the last bit of business this morning is Rooster's Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves. And Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Uh, we also should have the winners for the Live of the Marquee tickets as well. But just ahead of that, our winners this week for Free Food Friday are Independent Express Cork, the Pallet Network. Let's see exactly what they do. Chloe is on the end of the line. Chloe, good morning.
How are you? Good. And all of you guys, are there many of you? Oh, we're all here now, gathered. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you do? So we are we are delivering Depot Palace. <laughs> do you make them and everything there? Oh, geez, we don't make them. <laughs> we deliver them all over Cork. All right, okay. So you're keeping Cork. Ireland, I should say. You're Sorry, keeping Cork and Ireland moving with pallets for everything. Oh, we are, of course. Where are you? Are you way down in the warehouse now, is it? Yeah, I'm in the warehouse inside in the office. And how many of you are working there? So, 15. There's 15 in the office. Well, and, we, and, and is there more than 15 working in total? Oh, yeah, geez. 50. <laughs> Don't That's all our drivers, though, who aren't. They're not here now at the moment. Well, we won't tell the drivers about it, so, all right? Because it won't no, be able to feed 50. So just keep it for the 15 <laughs> or 20. Anyway, yeah. food's on the way. Depending on the biggest weekend shout-out you can give us from Independent Express Cork down below on the island. Go for it. Give us your big shout-out. Woo! That's not too bad. Move it away from you so I can hear the rest of the gang a bit. Go again. Done, everybody. Food's on the way. Enjoy it. Have a great weekend. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for listening. That's Free Food Friday on the way, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Perry Perry Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Congratulations as well to Claire Keating uh, and to Anthony Hennessy. Uh, they've got tickets for the live of the Marquee Gigs, Ollie Morris and Bell X1. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Always email if you wish to share a story, Neil, at redfm.ie. Have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.